Hello, everybody. Welcome to Boss Rush Book Club special panel. This is a gang podcast where we talk about something that we played over a month and discussed it. But this is a special episode because it's a particular game that I had to get two guests on here to talk to me about. And we've been literally talking about this gang. You guys just don't know. But joining me is the Celestial Brush, Celeste Roberts. Hey, good morning, evening, twilight, whatever time of day it is for you guys. Oh, please, uh, let that rumor Skyward Sword become the Switch be so true. <laughs> I, I can't deal with those pushing oh. controls. I mean, I love that game, but there's sometimes you just want to sit down and play a Zelda game, not have to yes. sword fight. I, I you, don't always want it, you don't always want it to be a workout. I actually think they've been working. I think they're going to fix it to where it fits the Pro Controller and the Joy-Cons. I think mm. they did. Please do. Please, Nintendo. Yes. Uh, but also joining us from Retrovania, it's Billy Holiday. Hello there, guys. Thank you for having me. I, um, I've clocked enough time into these walking sims <laughs> that, it, that it's great that it's finally paying off for me. <laughs> well, anytime we do a walking sim episode, we will contact you. Please do, because I can't get people to talk about these things. I, they always, I put these on around the house. It's the best way to clear out a room. Oh, Unfortun- really? Unfortunately. <laughs> so I'm glad to speak to some folks that appreciate them. You know, that's funny because I played this game twice and both times my boyfriend seemed very interested and he mm-hmm. was asleep on the couch. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I, I will say, I will say it's not a boring nature. It's a very relaxing nature to the game that must do that to people. Cause we've had similar experiences here in this house. <laughs> But yes, we're talking about what remains of Edith Finch today. Yes, um, this game was developed by Giant Sparrow, um, published by Anna uh, Perna Interactive. They they do a lot of stuff with indie game indie mm-hmm. developers. Um, directed by Ian Dallas, um, and you know it was also written by Ian Dallas. Uh, the music composer is Jeff Russo. Um, there is on Unreal Engine 4, and you guys can find this game available on Windows, uh, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a single-player adventure game, and we're going to get right into it. Uh, so the game starts as um, you on the boat, and you're being carried to um, this house uh, that you're going to be visiting. And when that happens, you're just looking around a little bit, and then you open up a book, and the game starts to narrate to you. And so um, you start hearing uh, the voice of Edith Finch. Um, And so she's telling you her journey when she visited the house uh, years ago uh, and what she found in it. And then you take control of Edith Finch. Can I say that when I saw those lilies in the hand of the first character, mm. that kind of signaled something yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. I, I think the game throughout is going to use heavy use of, of symbolism here and there. And, and I'm glad you mentioned, because I completely missed this the first time I played through. Uh, you, you mentioned in the introduction to the game there that, yes, you are playing through the, the core gameplay um, is not necessarily that character sitting there at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is taking place is in the book, 
you're reading, which I think is something. I missed it the first time, like when I just sat down and, and was playing through. And I assumed everything I was playing at that time was happening kind of, you know, live at the time. Um, especially as we go through and talk about the plot and talk about other things throughout, what makes sense, what doesn't. Um, a, a gigantic factor is just that. This is something, um, this is a story that this main character here at the beginning is reading. Uh, that That's a big, big thing to remember. I didn't pick up on that either at no, first, no. my first playthrough. Uh, yeah, and it, it and it's night or day with uh with when you're trying to reason out some of the things that take place when you when you realize that took me the second time to notice. Yeah, I think it was when it did the cut, uh, and then you show up that you're already on the dam because you don't mm -hmm. really take that control of that character and get off the boat or anything, mm -hmm. and and uh, there is a purpose for everything, but we're we're gonna say that for the end, um. So you take over uh, control for Eden Fish, and now this is cool because I played it on PlayStation Four. Mm -hmm. Yeah, two ways to get to the house, and depending yeah. on which way you take on your first play, do if you do it the other way, you'll get a uh, achievement or a trophy mm -hmm. uh, for that. So, and I thought that was really cool because I'm just like, I, when I played the first, I'm just like, okay, I did take the main role, but I didn't take what was underneath on the ground, yeah. and. You kind of you get this key. You try to figure out what is this key for. Um, when you get to the house, you uh, you try to put it to the door. It doesn't open. But then you go around and you find a door that has those dog doors or pet doors that people could get in. And your character squeezes through, and then you go into the journey. Um, and it kind it kind of has a purpose after that um, mm -hmm. with it. Um, you're, when you get into the house, you see different doors and you can explore around parts mm -hmm. of the house, but not the whole thing. So mm -hmm. it's not the go home situation where if the first playthrough of go home, you search everywhere in the house and you know that th that game has shortcuts. So mm -hmm. if you do those shortcuts, you can beat the game early. If you no spoilers. <laughs> for but that's for going home. If you yeah. you know, there's that's the replay value for that. Yeah. The replay value in either finches is that there are things and choices that you can make. If you make them for the first time, it allows you to go back and remake those choices. But you might get caught up in the whole adventure again and miss yeah. some things if you don't pay attention. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're playing as either Finch. And, you know, what were your guys' first things to do? Because uh, I went to the kitchen, <laughs> and I started, you know, pressing the X button because they allowed me to look at mm -hmm. the Chinese food, mm -hmm. um, look at the menu. Like, I did that for the first thing in the kitchen. But what did you guys do? It, uh, you go first, Billy. Okay. It took me a long time to get into the house. Because um, the first thing, you get a great view of this just monstrosity of a structure. Uh, it is not a house that is built in any logical way whatsoever. Um, and uh, they tell you pretty early on uh, that the, the, the great grandmother Edie, a character that you'll, you'll hear referenced throughout uh, one of the, uh, even though, you know, she, she's not alive at the time of the game um, mm -hmm. plays a gigantic, she's in the background the entire time, basically. Um, just continued adding rooms, shutting, closing off rooms of this house, adding on rooms. And that's how you end up with what you get. And it gives you such a tremendous look at it. 
um, early on that I just got, and I'm one of those that I, I like to look at every little thing, every little detail. So I spent maybe the first 15, 20 minutes, first time I played this, outside of the house. There's not a lot to do. Um, before you go in, you can find a, a little pond where there's a, some kind of bizarre, you read more about it uh, as you go through the game, some bizarre, like, broken down wooden dragon uh, sculpture or bit out there in the pond. Um, there are missing, poster, uh, missing posters for uh, a Milton Finch all over the place. Okay. Um, there's all kinds of stuff to be seen out there. Um, depending on how much how much detail you want to look into it. You may not be out there examining every little blade of grass, which I, I can't blame you for that. But no, once I got in the house, um, you know, they kind of start you off in a, in a garage area, and you still really don't know what's going on. You're not 100% sure if you're alone in this house. Uh, you don't know if you're going to meet somebody there. She's already said that the house has been abandoned. Um, you know, for, for, I think, I believe it's seven years at the time that Edith, Edith is, uh, telling her, her portion of the story. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you, but you don't know, um, the electric's out, uh, from the parts you're, you're walking around in and it, it's just a really quiet house. Uh, there are definitely signs that there have been life in the house, you know, that you've got the, the food containers, you know, scattered around, um, <laughs> Edward pointed out the, the, the iPod still sitting on the charger who just leaves uh, their expensive ipod hey, right that's right <laughs> got money to burn a big house like that you can't can't hide money we'll just get another one um but no there, there are all these little signs of life in there and, and i just spent the first little bit assuming that the house was vacant all these years just kind of exploring just and you get a feel kind of uh for how maybe day-to-day -day life was there in the house uh, a lot of books to be had a lot of cans of tuna sitting around also yes and, and, and i love that you see all this stuff you're like what what is all this and they have a, a way of throughout the game kind of explaining uh some of the stuff she explains at the time uh you know it was, it was one of her brothers that had a a job at a you know the factory canning factory that's how they ended up with all this year and other things that you see early on just scattered around the house that you'll hear throughout the the tales of the game and it it clicks and you're like oh okay that's what that is and, and i love the way they do that how you, you just explore this house not knowing what or or even who you're going to see in the early goings did you guys notice this is the first thing i did I, I'm weird with games. My first thing to do is turn around. <laughs> and you, there's a gate and mm -hmm. you can see the road. There's a bench. Yeah. But Edith points out that it looked like someone else had hopped the fence and that has stuck with me. Mm. So mm. I'm wondering. So my when I first played this game, I played it twice. I thought, oh gosh, is there going to be a jump scare? Is someone <laughs> going to murder me? Is, mm. is someone waiting for me? And then, of course, you see Milton's missing posters mm. all about. So that kind of sets the tone. The atmosphere seems very despondent, mm. very mm. sad. And she, you, you can check the mailbox. There are all these invoices. I'm like Billy. I will explore everything. <laughs> I will talk to every NPC. Mm -hmm. You would probably not want to watch me play a video game because you. Yeah. I will talk to them multiple times to see if they say different things. Mm -hmm. You also, Billy pointed this out in a pre-show discussion. There is a, there, it's not just once, but there's a deer at yes. the beginning. 
And Ed, did you happen upon the deer walking towards the house? No, I did not. Okay. I think it's at the top portion. The yes, top the ledge. top. If you take that top, yes, that top right. Yes. Okay. And uh, so uh, whenever I see animals, I, I like to look into the symbolism of things. I also like mm. to look into the symbolism of names. So Finch, I thought, okay, well, I immediately thought Atticus Finch from To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm. He's probably the most famous one. And apparently um, Finch's, I don't know if I've ever really seen one, but they're apparently very sensitive and very vulnerable um, mm. they're supposed to be kind of like healing birds. Mm. That did you guys? Are you guys into that kind of stuff? Like looking up the the names? I, I was after you had mentioned it. I was like, well, I mean, because I I don't think they put anything in the game. Uh, I hats off to them. I think every yeah. single thing placed in that house, uh, from book titles to to everything in there. Uh, the deer encounter, right down to the names. I, they, they put the work in on this. Uh, no one was slacking off <laughs> in the production of this game. So yeah, as soon as you mentioned it, I thought it was um, kind of worth looking into for this one. It's not something I normally do to that great an extent, uh, but uh, it's certainly a game that has kind of earned giving it that little extra bit, you know, of inspection. I did, I did find essentially. Uh, the same thing you did, and I, I thought that was very, very interesting. They're presented as a very kind of sensitive, kind of frail creature of sorts, um, which which does kind of go with a, an entire family that is, uh, as we'll as we'll go along, has befallen these these horrible, uh, these terrible fates as we go. And you do see on their front door if you're like me, and I didn't go to the the side by the garage mm -hmm. the doggy door there front door has this beautiful stained glass finch mm -hmm. yeah. on it so that's another just those little details this game these developers did an <laughs> excellent job with which which is why it drives me crazy I, I don't know why it is and this will not be the only instance of it uh there's several others throughout the game uh you're here you've been told at this time this house has been left um all you know is your mother picked you up and just immediately left right there on the spot. Um, you, you don't find out more about that until later. Um, so you go in this knowing that this house has sat. Um, but the food initially, oh, <laughs> the food kills me on here. There's Chinese food scattered throughout. Not like a, a copious amount, but, you know, there's a little bit left on this plate. There's a little bit here in this box. Uh, it's not like imagine you we've all probably left something sitting out and mm -hmm. didn't know it for like two days and then you know it then you know it's it's there uh this has been uh, there's not a a state of decay to it um like i thought and i coupled that with um your comment about her you know feeling like maybe there was someone else uh so at this point in time i didn't know if we were dealing with a Maybe still a lived-in house. Maybe still someone around. Um, I, I have no reasoning why. And there are other food items as you go. No reasoning why they're not just completely rotted. I don't, I don't know why it's not a it's, kitchen full of flies. Who knows? Because I don't want to get to the answers yet about mm -hmm. that. Because I have mm -hmm. an idea on why that mm -hmm. didn't happen. My thing was just like, 
it's been a long time. No one's been in the house. Yeah. Why haven't this house been condemned? Why? Mm. I'm like, is the house already paid for? Mm. And I'm assuming it is because this house is a character amongst itself. Yes. Um, and the reason why I say that is that when you go throughout the throughout the story, you keep finding different rooms and mm. the secrets that it hold when you're mm. when you're progressing. And just like uh just like us, we we have a presence of what people see, but there's secrets to us that nobody don't know about. Mm. And that is part of our character. That's kind of like our human nature in a sense. Yeah. And so while you're going through it, the house gets bigger and bigger. And it's just like, mm. who built this and how was this created? <laughs> and they do explain that sometimes, but you'd be like, the way that this house is designed, you would think everything will fall, but yet it mm. still stands. It's yeah. an ocean it's- nightmare. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Edward said, I wrote down really big here. Um, a, a, a category is the house has a character. And that's exactly right. They do a great job of kind of personifying the house, and even Edith there, when you get the good view of it, mm-hmm. early on, it just flat out says she is, um, she's feeling, not sure what she felt about the house when she was younger, and, you know, she's kind of going over her feeling, and finally admits that she is afraid of this house. Um, she has actual fear towards this, this structure. Isn't um, the Edgar Allan Poe, it's been a long time, there's an Edgar Allan Poe <laughs> story called The Fall of the House of Usher. I think, isn't the house personified... I believe and it is. That, that I have I have not clocked in some time it's, on that <laughs> one, but I think it is. It's been a little while, so mm-hmm. I, I believe there are a bunch of either short stories, novellas that do have houses personified. So mm-hmm. I, I wonder if they took their inspiration from that. But that's a good point, Ed and Billy. Mm-hmm. About it is a character of itself, and there are so many references to it throughout the game. Mm-hmm. So yes. yeah. So let's get into the first uh, family member. Uh, I forgot her name. <laughs> Molly. Oh. Molly. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Molly is the first one that you start reading about. And uh, she tells you that she got sent uh, to bed without nothing to eat. So she wakes up and she starts eating things. And as she goes on, she starts transforming and eating more and more. Uh, and while she's transforming, she's using different things, and they change the gameplay. And this is when the time we first get like, like literal gameplay. So you are you turn transform first into a cat, and then you transform into a hawk, and then you transform into a shark, which then transforms into this octopus weird kind of monster and then you end up transforming back into yourself mm-hmm. um what did you guys think of it did you think that this was a nice change or how did you feel about molly in in, in general because i literally was lost on like <laughs> okay when she when she ate the berries off the christmas tree thing mm-hmm. i thought she got she should have died from that because mm-hmm. that's poisonous and it's just like oh ooh, i'm still hungry and it's just like mm-hmm. no you should be dead like mm-hmm. i'm assuming that she <laughs> fell asleep and went into a dream world and then when she came back to reality she broke down her dream mm-hmm. Um, but we don't know how she died. Mm. Uh. Oh, she's a, I, the first time I played it and I transformed 
into that shark, I, I did laugh because it was just so absurd. <laughs> <laughs> just it fell down into these woods and it's mm-hmm. rolling down these hills. And I was, I, I think I said, excuse my language. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Because it's it's a it's a pretty straightforward game. Before that, it doesn't seem like you're going to be dealing with anything of the the fantastical nature at all. Um, so that it's 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 a departure. Um, but no, I, I you know definitely she gets up. She she's hungry. Uh, she's for whatever reason, as Ed was saying, sent to a room. Uh, you know, calls out to to her mother, uh, who who will not allow her. Her mother, who is is Edie. Um, and you know, go to bed basically. And she proceeds to eat a myriad of all the things you tell children not to eat. Um, she's, she's eating old, uh, hamster food. Um, she's, she's, she's taking down a tube of toothpaste. She's eating the berries, which, you know, the berries themselves in and of themselves, you know, but she won't not, eat her own goldfish not, or fish. You got, Hey, you got to draw the line. You got <laughs> to have standards. You already ate the hamster's <laughs> food. Like, um, <laughs> But I appreciate I appreciate the animal lover in her for not eating the goldfish. But um, and then you know that yeah, that, like Ed's saying, this bizarre series of uh, a transformations occurs. And um, you know, the first time I played through, I, I took a lot of the game kind of at face value. I I, I, I will not put a number in the <laughs> amount of times I played this um, because it's 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 not pretty. Um, but then at subsequent times, um, you'll, you'll notice, like if, if you spend some time, and this is how we're basically going to play the entire game. We're going to read uh, these, these diary entries. We're going to look at these, these shrines that Edie has, has built for, for family members that have passed. Uh, and we'll go essentially and read the stories that are left uh, for them. And the one thing I noticed... Her bathroom door there. She's got a she's got an, a series of masks, you know, like the little mm. little masks that cover just your mouth. And she has she has an owl, um, which is one of the transformations. A cat, which is a transformation. Um, rabbit, which are she's hunting down throughout, and and a um, you know a duck. She has various masks on there. Uh, so I'm thinking at this point in time, all right, she, she's had the berries, and this is this is a trip. <laughs> this entire thing that's happening now, uh, there's two ways to go about it. One, this is just a, a trip that she is having. Um, as far as the sea monster creature goes, um, she's got the, the stuffed, you know, jellyfish with the long tentacles there on the bed. Um, they're all things in the room that are part of what she is supposedly seeing, if you want to take it at face value. Um, but, but I find it a little hard to think that she is, she's eating all this stuff. She obviously um, is unwell, that she has, you know, just sat down and now is pinning uh, just this perfectly written diary entry. Uh, I, I find it to be a little little strange i assume she's done all this she's eaten all this and she has died from what she um has consumed um which i I, which is sad (laughs) very sad um and is a kind of unremarkable you know death of sorts which i think is going to be the theme here of people dying um 
my own personal take into it. And what we'll talk more about it later is just these deaths that are maybe just very basic, um, that are just accidental and it sucks that it happened that way so easily. Um, and it's hard to accept that it's hard to accept you lost. It's hard to accept you lost a, a 10 year old, um, to the fact that you sent them to bed without dinner. So now they ate all this stuff and they poisoned themselves. Um, and maybe there is more comfort or maybe there is a way to alleviate guilt um, by making these simple deaths a more kind of fantastical, uh, maybe putting a more fantastical story to them um, from the, the character that would be Edie that creates the shrines and all that. I, you lose your child. Um, maybe her mind went, you know, kind of kind of in a fantastical direction itself. Uh, as she sits there and 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 writes this, and maybe not even in a a, a negative means, like as a a, a method, because uh, she's admitting that the you know in this diary entry uh, that you know the child was sent off to, you know the bed without food. You know she's not uh, not declining that you know she had a a hand in it, but maybe it's just a, a easier way for her to to deal with it or to know that her child is being remembered through such a, a, an amazing story rather than, yes, the you know, kid ate a bunch of bad shit and went to bed and died. Um, and that was just my takeaway from that. Um, and, and I think it is something that weighs heavily on Edie throughout. Uh, as you'll see, it, it's mentioned later on that there is a cat named Molly um, that, that they, they picked up for another one of the children. And there is also, at the very end there, after you, you finish doing all this, there is a cat outside of the window. Um, which is the same window in, in Molly's um, supposed um, adventure she went on. Mm -hmm. uh, she turned into a cat next to that very same window, um, which is interesting. Yeah, and like you were saying, how could someone, especially a child, be so coherent mm -hmm. if you're having... Yes. I don't, I don't know what the symptoms would be. I, I guess yeah. lots of vomiting. Yes. yes. And, but hers was a very creative way to deal with the loss. Mm -hmm. And I think if you look at the timeline with her siblings, mm -hmm. she, she's the oldest. And then I would, I think Barbara is only about three years old. I don't I think, think so. Yeah. I don't think Walter, Sam and Calvin are around yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Calvin um, was, I, I, I wrote down everyone's dates. Molly passed away in 1947. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Calvin, yeah, Calvin would be born in 1950. So yeah, uh, Molly was was the oldest, definitely at that point in time. Right, because Calvin was 11 mm. when he passed. Uh, Barbara was 1944 to 1960, mm. so she was uh 16 on her 16th birthday. <laughs> yeah, um, Gregory was uh 1970, 76 to 70s. He was one years old. Yeah, but that's passed. her grand. That's her grandchild. Mm -hmm. That's uh, Edie's yes. grandchild. Yeah. Uh, Sven, who is the dad, uh, he was nineteen fifteen to nineteen sixty four. So okay. he uh, passed when he was like forty nine. Mm -hmm. um, and then Uncle Walter, um, I didn't get his dates. Uh, two thousand five or two thousand two. Yeah, I think it's five was the, the date. Yeah. Uh, death on this one and he what about 53. and then what about sam i think i didn't get his neither 
Sam. Sam Finch. Because Odin Finch, uh, Odin Finch, Ina Borg, and Son Jahan, they were 1880 to 1937. That's when they uh, shipped that house mm-hmm. and it had the accident. Oh, and Edith, and um, if you haven't played the game, there are a lot of spoilers. But there, she does. Edith keeps a journal where she has a literal family yeah. tree where yeah. she's yes. documenting everyone's birth and death mm-hmm. date. Yeah. Um, he, he dies. Um, Sam was born in 1950, and he died in 1983. So he was pretty mm-hmm. young. He was 33 yeah. years old. Yeah. Okay. And 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 the best thing after. Um, you leave Molly's room as you kind of figure out at this point in time, um, well, to even get in Molly's room, you, you kind of figured out you're not going to be traversing the house by traditional means. You're yeah, because the be doors just, are locked. Yeah, mm-hmm. all, all these doors are locked. There are several peepholes you can look into, uh, which fortunately you'll get to go into all these places over time. So there is going to be, there's not a lot of just open a door, walk down the hall, walk in the next one. Um, it's like Ed was talking about early on, the house has a way of kind of uh, opening itself up to you and revealing its secrets as you go along. Um, you know, after Molly's room, you, you have to essentially go out the window, um, to kind of get to the next, next house, next room, which I think Edie's room, I believe. Uh, And that is, that has got a, um, for early on in the game. And I think it's there on purpose. It has a treasure trove of details to, to take a peek into some of them will immediately shed some light on things. Uh, and I think other things in there you're meant to see and kind of later on in the game, look back to it and have that Mm -hmm. kind of that aha moment with it. Yes. They, um, cause Edie seems to really like dramatization and Mm. attention from what I gather. But I mean, she claimed that, comes later on but she mm. her, one of her sons is living underneath the house and she's mm. interviewed about a mole man mm. living beneath the house and she there's a newspaper article that she framed that's talking about how she refused to evacuate during a fire she was being mm-hmm. stubborn mm-hmm. yeah and and another thing i noticed yes all that the uh she she has no problem <laughs> being front and center kind of yes the, uh, the center of attention um and another thing I noticed, the first thing is when you, you enter through the window, um, th- there are a lot of different books there. Um, and, and I found like a lot of the titles kind of, I thought, really um, tied in with some of the things um, throughout. Um, the, and, and I don't know, because already my second playthrough in my head, when, once I figured out, okay, Molly's story does not, set well with me as being written by her. I, I'm kind of, at this point in time, I, I'm thinking, well, you know, Edie is the one that it, it outright tells you is making these these shrines, these these little memorials, these makeshift kind of memorials. And uh, you can even see in the room where she has, like, uh, obviously these little files or these books somewhere she's kind of practicing uh, she's got like concepts and you can't read them, but there's like a, I think there's like a Molly concept. There's several books uh, with various pa- deceased family members names that kind of, uh, kind of makes you think, okay, she's, she's kind of drawing these up. She's trying to figure out, or maybe they're rough drafts for the diary entries for the stories she's making up for them. Oh. Cause we just came off Molly's 
death that we read through uh, with the sea creature aspect of it. And I immediately, I see the book in Edie's room, uh, giant squids and other monsters, just little things like that. Uh, maybe things she's reading. Uh, she's obviously a very creative person. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people in the, the Finch family have gone like this very creative, artistic route. Um, Milton to a great extent, which we'll talk about as we, we go along. But these are strike me as 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 a lot of, of dreamers for the most part. People uh-huh. with uh, just a very intelligent, probably also uh, just wandering minds. Um, and one thing I noticed was amongst all the books, also, there are bird cages Yes, for yes. deceased birds. And I immediately was thinking to myself, all right, I've I've had two birds in my entire life. <laughs> uh, and when one passed, I just used the same cage for the next one. Uh, you know, I cleaned it up, put some new stuff in it. Uh, it seems like each one, just like each house, is, each bird is getting its own cage. Uh, and it just strikes me as someone that... Um, has a hard time coping with death um, and mm-hmm. someone that is very much intent on having something to memorialize people and animals, um, as we'll see when we take a trip through the, the cemetery later on um, in the game. Mm-hmm. She just strikes me as someone that has a lot of difficulty um, letting go. And unfortunately, she's in a family where she's had to let go of a lot of people. Um, so I don't know, um, kind of psychologically what that has done to her as far as pushing her to kind of sit down and, and write out these, these kind of various stories as you go along, it, which it, is what I contend still to this kind day. It's kind of feel like this was the way that she was grieving. This mm-hmm. is how she mm-hmm. heard those. Grief oh yeah. Her coping when, mechanism. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, when you get done with Molly, she go into I think it's Edie's bathroom, correct? Mm-hmm. This is all the pink one. And then you kind of look and you see this book that's on it. Uh, you you listen to this poem uh, and then you find a secret. Uh, Edith, uh, Edith Edith uses her key and then she it goes on progressing into the next room. And you kind of find out that Uncle I think it's Uncle Walter. Uh, it was one of the brothers who like, you know, being for, who likes doing photography, you know. Oh, Sam. But th- there is a there is a death in Edie's room. There is a memorial mm-hmm. in Edie's room. Her in dad. the bathroom? No, in, in her bedroom. Oh, you can you, look yeah. at a viewfinder. And this is an easy oh, one to I don't miss. remember that. Yes, it, it's it's very because it, oh. it's in a corner and everything is on the other side of the room that's really um, drawing your attention. Um, so yeah. I've I missed it the first time around. <laughs> Fortunately, the game is very kind about when you've concluded it, you can go through and kind of replay them. Um, but yeah, it's an easy one to miss. It's it's an interesting one. And another thing about Edie that kind of tipped me off that she ha- um, had a hard time of of letting go of folks is Sven. Um, Her husband dies. Yes, Sven yeah. dies. Um, this dragon sculpture he's making collapses basically uh and he, he's killed uh you know by the impact i don't know if he was on it and he fell with it or if it fell on top of him um but what she tells the children what she's telling everyone is just simply he was killed by a dragon <laughs> which is much more impressive than my husband bought, 
built this faulty ass thing. It fell on him and he's dead. Instead, it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, you know, great grandpa Sven was killed by a dragon. And, and I think shining armor. That's right. And I think that goes a long way into why why we might be reading some of the things we read uh, as we go along. Did yes. did you uh, look at the viewfinder this time on your most recent playthrough, you guys? Did y'all? Uh... Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's basically I... Odin and his bringing the house over. Yeah. Okay. So that I knew that I mm. I checked the mm. the the viewfinder because it tells um it kind of tells on how everything really originated mm-hmm. uh, and stuff and everything. So yeah, I did. I... I did, I did that not on my first to, uh, detract from the photography question. I just was like, "Oh, we got we had a death there." <laughs> <laughs> and, but it is uh, <laughs> it, it is interesting with Odin, who he apparently the Finch curse uh, has been going on for I think they said five hundred years, maybe a year, yes, five hundred centuries. Um, and for some reason, Odin believes um, that it is the land they are on, uh, and, and we don't get any more. That's all you get as far as the the old country. Um, but he is basically like, all right, we're going to uproot this house. We're taking this house you know, across the ocean. Uh, you know, doesn't make makes it close. They're almost at shore. Uh, it, it's kind of capsized. It's Odin dies with it. Uh, the house is mostly collapsed. You can see a little bit of the old house later on throughout the game. We'll talk about that at the time. Um, but yeah, it, it just kind of sets the tone and then it continues here, which pretty much rules out, um, that, that, you know, the, the, the earth was in X that one out at that point. And I, I looked up a little bit more about Odin, and apparently he wrote two novels. One is entitled The Mysteries of Death and there and Thereafter, and the other one is Joining the Great Majority. So those, I think, have some little hints to them. Yeah. But what, what kind of bothered me was how did he drown, yet his daughter, her husband, and baby Molly were okay? Yeah. How, were they on a boat or something? Did they manage? I mean, what happened? How come only Odin? Uh- is the one I am, I am going to assume uh, I I'm just going by uh, I, I referenced it again and we'll talk about more in depth the um, his his memorial in the cemetery kind of shows him atop a, a house kind of you know pointing to what as if pointing the direction they're going I assumed it was the the captain goes down with the ship uh, you know the family is in the car he is there on or you know within the the house. Uh, that's that's why all I assume because I did notice also it's like well I mean, that's bad luck um, you know <laughs> uh, to, to be the only one to go down but I just that's just just what I picked up from his little his memorial there at the cemetery his 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 gravestone huh. do, do you have any comments about Odin Ed oh can you hear me oh. okay Oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> my, my Skype froze. Um, I don't really have nothing to, to speak on about Odin. I just thought that, you know, he kind of was the beginning of this family, and mm. this is how everything just ended up being. Um, 
you know, even when she Edie talks about that time she was, you know, she just visiting the sea, and then the, it felt like the sea split apart for her to go visit the old house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, which I thought that was kind of cool and everything, because she's just like, I got lost in the fog and everything, mm-hmm. and it's just like, oh, okay. But I'm like, no, she was still alive after telling her story, because that leads once again close to the ending, which we will get later. Um, mm-hmm. But we're gonna move on because we got to get into, I believe, is Sam's story. It's next. Uh, well, Cal- Calvin, but Calvin or- and Sam shared a bedroom because they were twins. Yeah. They were yeah. twins. Okay. Um, and so this one, uh, I believe, this is not the dear one. I, is it a dear one? Um, close, close. It's um. He Calvin was into rocket ships and space, mm-hmm. and when you it, he had they have a really cool bedroom. I want to. Oh, know they've got the are. they've got the best room. <laughs> How much money did this family have? I, but I guess if you have a father who can build damn near anything, you're going to yeah. have a cool house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He has a little loft that he, I think he calls it Mission Control. Mm-hmm. And you can go and see his memorial. And he, he has a little astronaut's helmet on. And Sam, his twin, wrote, I don't know if it's a poem or just a eulogy. I think it's just mm-hmm. like a, a little essay about his brother. And then you go to his vignette, Calvin's, and he's on a swing and he's wearing a cast on his leg. So I guess okay. he's also yes. accident prone. And you can see some of the family members' signatures on his cast. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So he's on the swing. And at first, you can move just the analog stick and go back and forth. But then you got to move back of him on mm. at the same time so that he swings higher and higher. And he's telling the story. And it gets to a point where he swings over the tree. But the next swing that he goes through, he falls out. And so he actually is fighting, fight, uh, flying, but he falls into the sea and dies. Mm-hmm. Um, now, anybody, as a child, that's tried to do a 360 on a swing set, you know it doesn't work. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, 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 have, I have distinct memories of taking a nice hit to the back of the head, <laughs> trying to go all the way across. Um, so it's it's another one of those things um, where, given you know Calvin's interest and in, in space and all that, um, I, I think he was another one that was kind of given um, what the the family and this is supposedly pinned by his his brother Sam, who would have been I'm assuming a child at that time also i'm assuming sam would have been would have been young at the time he wrote this as well um supposedly written by him and it it, i I just i feel like it's more along the lines of of what we saw with molly um this is a a swing set that and why it's built right by the edge of a cliff i don't know um it's (laughs) that's rough too Uh, that's not the best placement and it um, was it was weird that he was written not to listen to his mom to go yes. go and eat. Yes, you know uh, the mother does call them. Sam goes on in uh, and leaves Calvin to it, which is also all right. At this point in time, um, we're watching something that no one witnessed, no one saw. Uh, the actual, you know, Sam is in the house now. I assume sitting down for dinner. Everyone is. Um, so he's out of view when the rest of this happens. So we have no witnesses for, uh, you know, Calvin doing these 
three or four three sixties and then then flying. Um, so I don't know if it was one of those things. It was as simple as just a mishap, um, a less dramatic form of what he was doing. Maybe he, you know, just instead of doing a few, you know, all the way arounds and flew through the air, it could have been as simple as just one big swing and it, you know, he came out of it and tumbled down the cliff. Um, mm-hmm. it, it could be a lot of things. Um, I, I, you know, at 11 years old, you don't want to say that he, if there was purposeful means, um, behind him, you know, his demise, um, you don't know what sent him off the cliff, but you know good and well it was not the the method you're seeing, and, yes. and the fact and the fact that there was no one there to witness it. I think it's just more of what we had with Molly. It's just it's a nice way um, to kind of maybe cope with and and memorialize someone uh, with with an extraordinary death that that otherwise had a very maybe a dark or at the, at the very least just kind of a, a, a horrible accidental death and i think the swing is still there because you can look through Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. fence as edith and so it didn't i I thought maybe okay well maybe the tree branch fell but yeah it's still intact Uh, maybe the cast is a hint that he's accident prone oh yeah yes um but his 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 story is pretty short and after you have that little death scene and, and by the way none of these deaths are particularly morbid or gory in the mm. game, which i appreciate yeah. you don't really see anything too disgusting as you're playing you don't really i, I don't want to say no trigger warnings but it's very tame their, their deaths are not they're not taken to a yeah. horror movie level yes yeah yes so i mean you know that they're dying there are there's a form some kind of idea of they're dying, but the visual the visualization of it is not really there. You just mm-hmm. get just have a heads up for it, because the next one is Barbara oh, going to her, room. Uh, and it's so funny that you get that her name is Barbara, and she was like the screen queen. Like mm-hmm. she had a particular screen, and it's so camp and it's so cliche mm-hmm. uh, for that to happen because you know when you think of horror movies, uh, you always think there's going to be a character designed just like her and yeah. everything. So you go into her room and you start reading this comic, and it's kind of like an interpretation on how she died, mm-hmm. uh, and. It's very weird because it looks, and you guys probably haven't played this, but it looks like a telltale adventure of The Walking Dead. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, was, uh, pr- this was probably the most unique because uh, each each death has its own kind of gameplay mechanic mm-hmm. or the way it's presented. Uh, this is the this is definitely the one that kind of stands out, uh, maybe besides Lewis later on. Uh, this is one that, that really stands out a lot to me as you're going, you know, it's like an interactive comic all of a sudden as you're going kind of, uh, panel through panel, which I, I thought was just, and my hat's off to them again for just the way they present each so one of these. Absolutely yes. beautiful. It's very, it's very Tales of the Crypt. Yes, mm-hmm. that's yes. like the little pumpkin head. He has this, um, 
I can't, I can't even do his voice. It's like, <laughs> as in the night. Yeah. That's too dark. I, I, and it was very much like that, that kind of, you know, the kind of feel you would get from like those old horror pulp comics. Uh, you know, the ones kind of like big fifties and sixties. It's like a tales from the dark side as Ed said, tales from the crypt uh-huh. kind of thing. Like, like you would see nestled in like one of those horror anthologies or something like creep that. Show. Just a, just, uh, yes. Creep show. show. Yes. It's very similar format to that. Yes. There was, I, I was watching pushing up roses. Um, she has a YouTube video about Edith Finch and she made a really good point that she wonders if Barbara was named Barbara because of Night of the Living Dead with they're coming mm. to get you, Barbara. Mm-hmm. Which could one. have been uh, could have been very well. I, I you know, I think they they had a lot of purpose behind everything they did. But I, I guess, you know, Barbara was a uh child star. Um eventually her unique scream she had uh mm-hmm. looks like she did you can see some of her works uh, as you're in her room uh, it's kind of mm-hmm. got old movie posters old you know playbill magazines and whatnot uh, about her films um and kind of looks like mm, hit a little bit of hard times uh career-wise i think they said she lost her scream um kind of at yeah. some point so I mean, now she's yeah yeah so now she's kind of just doing the just the routine everyday job thing. I think was she in a diner? Yeah, I believe. Or, yeah. So, uh, so you have to weigh that in, and you have to keep one thing. I kept into account is the you know kind of the tragic end a lot of child stars meet when you go from that childhood of fame to kind of getting out there in the real world, um, and and that doesn't pan out well for a lot of them. Um, but the way this is presented and the first. The that that Edie kind of, kind of making these a little more theatrical. Who contacted this magazine or this comic first <laughs> uh, to send this story? Because she's already, you know, touting the Halloween. Uh, and Oh, did we lose you there, Billy? Hmm. For a second, it sounded it cut out for a second. So I just oh yeah. Am I am I back? Am I back? Yes, sweet. All right. So you know, with with everything we've we've seen, I'm wondering all of a sudden if what we're you know I'm questioning the validity of what we're reading or what we're seeing played out here automatically with you know with what we have already kind of seen and what I already suspect with with these you kind of fancied up a little bit. Yeah. And Barbara's room has popcorn, her birthday cake, and burnt cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> and that that cake's still sitting fine. It looks a little old, but it, you know, I wouldn't have a slice of it. But it's certainly um that is not a, a fifty years worth of a of neglect cake. That is that is sitting there, um, and, and I I toyed with the idea of maybe you know, she's someone someone was bringing a new cake to the room on her birthday up till uh, I guess it would be Edie maybe up till the time Edie passed, but even if that's the case, we're still talking about seven year old cake sitting there. 
so it's hard to say. Um, I, I, I did kind of give the cake a slide, slight slide, just because I was like, all right, I rationalized. Maybe we're not dealing with a 50-year-old cake. Maybe it's seven. Um, but then it's like, yeah, I, I still can't do much with that either. Um, but I was very interested with hers. It, it kind of plays out like a horror film. Um, and mm-hmm. she is kind of maybe prepping maybe for a career comeback. She's getting back out there. Uh, I think it was a convention she was getting ready to, to go to, which is where like a lot of horror actors and actresses, they can still find work decades after <laughs> their glory days at these conventions, just, you know, meeting fans and whatnot. Um, but I believe Spin has an accident at some point in time, which, which, it already are. That's one accident. He's going to have another one with the dragon. This is an accident-prone family. Um, this guy obviously could build some stuff, but he, he probably, you know, his safety safety precautions probably weren't up to yeah. snuff. It was the um, straw. It was a table saw. I heard his hand. Hey, oh, yes. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's, oh, and, that's rough. I, don't, I think he still has his hand, but anytime I hear my neighbors with their buzz saws, I just uh, I get really nervous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, rightfully so. <laughs> um, so but it's okay. yes, go ahead. Oh go so you you kind of find out uh well it's hinted at in the comment that you know they throw a surprise party party for her, all these monsters that she has a work with, but then it really is that they're coming to eat her in the comic. And so she delivers her uh final screen, uh, and then the police go and they think it's the boyfriend, but uh, you're not really sure what happens, and you kind of find out that the little brother—I think it was Calvin—was hiding under the bed. Walter. Walter. Okay, yeah. I keep getting the boys' names wrong. There's so many boys, but uh, Billy has really good theories about I, I, this one. I don't know because all right, the—I mean, the what you're presented is—you um, know—the boyfriend disappears. There's talk on the radio of there being a killer out there on the loose. A, a very yes. cliched type thing. Uh, but it's not that, uh, in the end, it is what looks like a surprise party. She finds out all the guests are monsters, though, um, that, I guess, consume her. Um, you're not given more than that. So automatically, you know that this was not the actual cause of death. I don't think yes. there was a pack of monsters in the house. Um, and, and it was said that Walter was there, and he kind of, you know, witnessed whatever occurred, or at least heard whatever occurred. Um, and it leads to his story, which which we'll get to to next. A- and I was of a couple of minds about it. I originally I was like, all right, it's it's definitely I'm of three minds about. It. I've gone through three different ways of thinking about it. One, the simple way through it is that the the boyfriend did it. Uh, I mean, how often in movies does that occur? Because uh, the boyfriend wasn't found. I was like, all right, that that's cut and dry. Um, and then I'm kind of thinking about it again, and I'm thinking about it from the the you know former child star um, perspective. How a lot of them have trouble, you know, reacclimating. Um, how a lot of those lives end young, and they end you know by by you know shitty means. And I I'm sitting there kind of thinking. You know, she's she's prepping to go back into this thing. That's there's got to be a lot of anxiety with that. There's got to be a lot of doubt with that. Um, you know, succumbing to these these monsters at the end. These these things. It's succumbing to her own purse monsters and mm-hmm. demons and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, 
Um, and I also, it, and I, I'm going to take you down a wild uh, road here. This is the road less traveled. Uh, this one's not even paved, doesn't even have, doesn't even have gravel down on it. It's all dirt. Um, that uh, There's one little bit, uh, and I'm a big horror movie guy, um, always have been, um, where they play, I believe the song, I think it's, it's Tubular Bells or some, uh, something like that. It's, it's all, commonly known as a Halloween thing. It's on a similar... Um, it's the similar... theme from a Halloween. Yeah, it's yeah. the theme from Basically, Halloween. It's, not, it's the theme from Halloween. You, you say that, everyone can kind of hear that. Whether you've watched the movies or not, you've probably heard that that theme. Um, and that's used in the game. Um, and it's kind of used as the the killer is kind of, well, I think you are you do the point of view of whoever's after her for a brief moment, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and you get the theme. And uh, much like in the game Halloween, you know, she's there with the boyfriend. The boyfriend leaves. Um, and then Barbara dies. Um in the movie Halloween, it's similar. Um, the the sister is there with the boyfriend. Boyfriend takes off. The sister is killed with the theme music and all. Um, and the sister is killed by her little brother, Michael Myers, in the film. Um, and considering her little brother, Walter, is in the house. Um, Walter's seeing all this. Supposedly, it's gone on. And it's led, as we'll see, Walter in the, um, the situation he is in. Uh, when we hear his story, um, I uh, it, it's it's loose. It's loose. I won't fight about it. Um, you know, I won't come to blows over it. I can't rule out that Walter hasn't had some involvement in that death. I, I just I can't imagine they're throwing that particular of all the horror themes of all the little generic jingles you could throw in there. Um, you're throwing in one where the older sister, after you know spending time with her boyfriend, is killed by the younger brother. And now you're putting this in here, where the three characters in the house are the older sister, the boyfriend, and the younger brother. Uh, you're, you're setting up the same dynamic. Uh, and I thought that it was just, if nothing else, they probably want you to maybe think about it, maybe talk mm -hmm. about it. Um, I thought it was something that couldn't be denied, though. Um, all I know is that it's it was not a pack of monsters, and I think it's another thing, whether it is Edie once again um, trying to, you know, fancy up this, uh, like whether it's a brutal murder by the boyfriend, um, and she, you know, just kind of wants to drum up something to, to put out there. And I don't think any of it's with ill intent. I think it, it's much better, you know, to, to have this incredible, Incredible story, memorial. Uh, oh, did we lose Billy? Oh no! Again? <laughs> Again? It, it, it cuts out in and out a little bit. Oh, <laughs> horrible! Um, so, but yeah, I don't know if it's just one of those things where it's 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 a lot better um, fiction being better than reality. Whether yes. it was, you know, she she was killed by the boyfriend, whether this was her own personal struggle, or whether it's covering for 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 young Walter, uh, whatever it might be. Um, you know, I, I, I have to believe this was another kind of Edie manufactured story. We do yes. notice that so in the in the comic book they say that the hook man, the killer, falls through the banister 
upstairs. And mm -hmm. when you're playing as Edith Finch, you actually do see where it was repaired. So did Walter accidentally or purposely push his sister mm -hmm. on the stairs? Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know. That's a, did she, did she accidentally fall on some skates like the killer does in the comic book? <laughs> And, and, it, and it's, yeah, and it's worth noting. Another thing is um, while you're playing through Barbara's part, uh, there's a part where the mm -hmm. boyfriend, um, you assume the boyfriend is a or someone is in the house and she's hearing a noise. And it turns out being the boyfriend just, you know, playing a prank on her at the time. But he springs out from this refrigerator. Um, and it's worth noting about that refrigerator. Uh, because we will eventually, you'll get a key to get down to the basement. You learn throughout Barbara's story that there's a music box. You turn it, and it plays music. You keep turning it, and the handle will come off, and it has a key to the basement. Um, yes. And that is how we're going to traverse down to the younger brother that was in the house at the time of Barbara's death, Walter. Um, we're going to get down to his story. But to get there... Um, we have to go through the refrigerator that the boyfriend jumped out of, um, which. But before we before we yeah. get there, uh, yes. if you explore the house first mm -hmm. and you do the uh, music box, you find out that Sven built it and you can't yes. take the key out. You know nothing yeah. about that. Until Not yet. Actually... When you first touch yeah. it, you can't do anything with it. Yeah. Yes. So when you actually find out how to get downstairs, that's when you could go because you can actually play with the pool table if you want to, uh, like I a line of pool balls. Yeah, you can. Yeah, it's a it's a trophy in uh in the PlayStation Four version. You like you can, line... you can hit them with the. the stick. I think you I think you can't hit them with the six, but I think you can align the balls. Together. Oh, and the little triangle. Yeah, thing? so there's oh, a way that you can yeah. interact with the pool thing, uh, and then you go and you when you get to the uh, refrigerator, then we get into Walter's story, and mm -hmm. Edith is kind of upset because the mom never told her about this. Yeah, about yes, and that, that oh. she she remembers Edie would bring these cases downstairs. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and so yes. if we get into uh, Walter's room and we get to start a story. So now, Billy, go ahead. All right, <laughs> and, and the one thing I noticed was the, the refrigerator that the boyfriend sprung out of um, apparently is a, a secret, a yet another um, secret compartment. And you, mm -hmm. you go through there and you start heading down. Um, and you are now underground, underneath the house. And, and you notice all these, um, you know, Walter, you went through his room very briefly at the beginning to get to Molly's room. Uh, Walter's room was empty. You just had the, the walls were painted. Um, one thing worth noting on, um, on Walter's wall, you had the, the train car mural mm -hmm. built there. Um, and, and that's a theme with him. As you get down there, you'll see he did have little, like, train parts he was working on and, and all that. And um, when you're able to flash back to his room as Barbara um, in the previous one, you'll see he had like a full train bed, all kinds of things like that. Um, that makes sense as we, we 
or doesn't make sense, one or the other, as we proceed on. And I love the way they tell his story. Um, he, after what happened with Barbara, is so um, either by what he saw or heard or what he did, um, mm-hmm. is so incredibly distraught that either by his own choice or maybe by Edie's, you know, kind of push is now residing underneath the house in this little kind of survival bunker. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, it's fully stocked. Obviously, Edie is, is making drops there on the regular, as I said. Um, and, and I love the way they tell that story and just how much time passed. Um, it's, it, it is depressing um, as he's just opening these canned peaches and the little calendar on the wall. His actions never change. And he talks about, you know, the only way he's gotten through this is just kind of develop a routine. Um, there is a rumbling that comes through every day. Um, that he is convinced is a monster. He thinks it's the same monster that killed Barbara. So he's not moving. He's not budging from this bunker. Uh, and it's just this guy going through his routine. As you see the calendar, um, just dropping off decade by decade. I think we start in the 60s. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it and we conclude in 2005. So, I mean, it's he's put about a good 40 years down there um, when he decides it's time to... The, the noise has stopped. Um, so he, he's kind of gotten to that point now where it's like, all right, it's, it's now or never. I've been down here this long. You know, I, whatever happens to me, it's, it's going to be better than staying cooped up down here. And, you know, and, and of course, nothing good happens. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and go he ahead. has it all set up. I mean, he has a bathroom and everything if you look at all the details. And I did notice, I don't know if he did this or Edie, there's a window with this pretty outdoor yes. scene. I don't know if that's to help him get some yeah. sun to help him think that he's actually looking outside, but it is set up like a train car, isn't it? It's it is. is it, 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 yes. Okay. Yeah. And so he gets to, you know, he's ready to go live his life. He finds this uh, hammer uh, he knocks down the wall and he steps out and he is in this underground passage of railroad and you know he's going to walk out and try to go and live his life and uh the game forces you to get on the rail track and as you look up yeah you see lights coming you hear the train and that's the end of his story walter dies by getting ran over by a train that was the fear um as time passed as you get back to the present time you see the train track cut off so that whole part that was connected to it is not there anymore mm-hmm. uh yes and his speech while he's talking about how he doesn't care if he has one year one month one week even one day it's very poignant as mm-hmm. he's talking about how he can't continue living that way oh yeah oh and then the tragic <laughs> the tragic demise <laughs> and why is climb back upstairs who who gave him the sledgehammer was he gonna go yeah. possibly murder someone else like <laughs> My assumption is that it was already downstairs and he okay. probably grabbed it and put it. But it's so it's it's more of a funny, ironic story. because mm-hmm. uh, it um I don't know if anyone has watched uh Crank. I think it's Crank. Uh or it might be in Crank 2, 
one of the characters from the first movie or uh, is having at, is at a therapy section. And he was just like, I'm going to live my best life. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do, I'm going to sleep with all this women. I'm going to eat all of this food and I'm going to do all of this stuff. And the moment he steps out the door, he gets shot and mm-hmm. get killed. Oh, <laughs> and it's it's so it's it's supposed to be where the funny the ironic and it's supposed to be satire playing satire is that people who always feel like they waited so long to live their life now that they finally decided mm. to live it it's over. Mm. So yeah. with, now, with what? Oh, go ahead. And it should be mentioned uh, that you don't see this train. Um, He's kind of he's looking up. You you see the light. You hear the noise. Mm. Uh, it's also worth mentioning that the the trees don't move any more than they already are. Um, you would think a train passing through would kind of, you know, right there next to the trees would would kind of, you know, send a little wave through them. Uh, they're mm-hmm. still just kind of gently blowing as this happens. Um, so it, it's hard to say whether a legitimate train ran through there. Um, he's already said at this point, he's stepping out because he hasn't heard it um, in a while. So, uh, and, and there's, there's also, I think a newspaper, there's something that, that alluded to the fact that there were kind of like a, a earthquake, something destroyed um, part of the track at some point. Mm. And um, did he have like a radio with him? It was music, I think. Yeah. Okay. He, yes. Okay, because I was just like, why did why did he have a clock also to write down the times when mm. he's hearing these noise? Yeah. So that when he's going to live his life, he <laughs> kind of knows that, okay, mm. I know that this this thing yeah. happens at this time. So I'm mm. going to wait for it after it happens and it leaves, then I'm gonna go out and live my life. Yeah, because the train would have there, like it's the train would have a regular, like it, it's like, oh, this happens at one p.m. every day. Well, I'm, I'm I think I'm gonna go out about five o'clock this evening. Um, I get, I guess he got into such uh, a sense of relief that you know, kind of a week went by without anything. Um, and I don't know if it's something where, um, if the train was there, whether it's something where the train was down for repair. Um, and he just had the awful luck of stepping out there the day it was fixed back up. Um, I wonder why there's even a, that's the worst location for a train running under a house on a sheer cliff top. Um, but to where? E- to w- <laughs> oh, <laughs> and I, as e- I, I made it, I made it my, my main mission this time when I played through to see how much of that track I could see. It won't let you walk into the tunnel at all. Uh, you don't get anything from that. Um, and as Edith, you go down into the bunker uh, and you kind of retrace the steps. You walk out on that train track also. There's a neat little kind of makeshift uh, memorial right there on the spot, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is an easy to miss detail. Um, but you, you walk that also. And I was like, all right, I'm going to see what I can see. Um, I did see a little bit of track that goes bewilderingly enough it doesn't look like there's enough room for a train and and what i was thinking was more along the lines of like those little the train carts the you know little rail carts um i I didn't see a track big enough yeah i didn't see a track big enough for a train to kind of get there and i don't think a train is going to travel um 
I'm not here for my train expertise, but I don't think it's going to travel right there on the side of a mountain. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's going to run underneath the house. Um, who knows? Um, but that goes to, I don't know what the, the noise he heard was, um, if it was anything. Um, but you have to keep in mind, this was obviously someone that was fascinated with trains also. Um, from the time he was a child, he had the train bed. He had the train mural on his wall. Yeah. Um, it could be a similar situation to uh, Molly, where, you know, Edie kind of took the things they loved in life um, and kind of incorporated those into the, the stories of their passing. Uh, it could have very well been he, he got out of there, he stepped out, uh, had a heart attack and uh, heart attack dropped right there on the spot. Um, and but it but it's much more touching um, and, and kind of much more dramatic in keeping with the the theme of these simple deaths, whether it's falling out of a, a swing or uh, eating poisonous berries. Um, it, it's always better to remember them with these kind of fantastic endings. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's just hard to say. I, I just can't see that being a location where a, a functional train um, is running. I, I, I don't know. It could be one. Because, uh, like I said, the big thing with Edie wa- Edith was I wanted to see if the track was there to begin with. Um, yeah. And then we get through, and I'll talk more about that at the end, why even though um, Edith is out there with the track, why... Um, you know, that really doesn't help the train argument um, more as we go along. Uh, but I don't know. I, I'm kind of inconclusive on that one. I, I, I could just see that being one of the things where with the fascination with trains he had, um, Edie would find that as a, as a kind of a fitting, fitting way to put something, something out there for him as far as his demise, which then again, maybe makes it easier for her to cope with the fact that He's been down there all that time, didn't really get to live a life, um, and then he comes out and, and dies by whatever yes. means. Yes. Did y'all notice that when you're playing as Edith, the electricity is still on down in his bunker? Yes. Yeah. They, it, it's in the bunker, and there are a couple of other little spots, if I'm not mistaken, where it is, uh, where it's on. So I, I, I don't know. Um, even if it was on a generator, that's a hell of a generator. Uh, right, because I was just like seven years strong. Because I was just like, there are some points parts in this that's like, okay, she didn't cut the energy on the electricity on, but there are some parts that have electricity mm-hmm. that like some of the lighting stuff. And I'm like that, that that doesn't make sense. But very forgiving she, utility company. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, Edith comes out of there, and then she gets goes down closer to where the beach is at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she continues to go up, and I believe it's the the next part is when she looks at this telescope. Mm-hmm. I believe that's the next part. Um, you, you take a little, you take a yeah, and on the way, uh, Edith drops a couple of lines that I, I I think she finally she alludes um, more to the the curse and the mm-hmm. stories uh and she 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 basically says that she's worried i think the quote is worried that stories themselves might be the problem and and another time she she thinks it's one of those things where she believes um everyone believes so much in the family curse that they've kind of they've they've made it real um that they've kind of given it more more weight 
um, since everyone is so entangled with it and, and, you know, believe the stories of the curse and believe these the stories that they're reading that, that may or may not be fabricated. Okay. And there's something, there is something to that. I think we've all had instances where we are so concerned about something or we've kind of talked ourselves to the point of, of, of worrying about something bad that mm-hmm. it happens. Um, and I don't know the phenomenon to that, but it certainly is a thing. Uh, it, it's one of the, I don't know if it's just made the family more cautious to the point of they slip up um, in some instances or, or what it is, or if it's kind of instilled a sense of hopelessness in them. Um, if you know your days are numbered, um, you're not going to be as cautious as and, some of us that, that hope to live long lives. And everybody who dies in a family is buried by the house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's just like you would think that if they pass away, they would be buried somewhere in the cemetery. Nope. Mm-hmm. They are always coming back to the house in some form or fashion. It just happened to be dead. <laughs> what's funny is at the very beginning, if you go mm-hmm. up to the library, Edith says how Edie told her all of the deceased finches are buried in the library, which sounds, I don't know if that's a metaphor, mm. but we do see there. Their, their gravestones, their headstones behind the house mm-hmm. by yes. the telescope. Yeah. The telescope shows you the old house, I believe. Yes. Which has a red light constantly. Blinking. It's made it, and I got, it, it's very a sinister type look to it. Um, and, and I also, if you want to go down the route that there is some supernatural curse, I, it very much seems like kind of a threatening sinister and with the red light blinking almost like a heartbeat to the the old house there like whatever evil traveled along with that house uh is kind of still there Uh, i know some people subscribe to the to the the more kind of paranormal legitimate you know kind of curse aspect to it i could definitely see um more than just kind of a beacon out there you know that's that's put there to maybe warn people you know don't you know, bring your ship over here. You're gonna run over a house. Um, it, it does seem um, when you look at it, they. I, I think it's presented, and just every time you see it up to that point, you, you catch like little glimpses of something off in the ocean. Um, and it's also, it's always it carries like a kind of an ominous type look to it, uh, which I, which I have to imagine was was on purpose. And if you want to go down the route that this is a, uh, a curse that is of some kind of supernatural means and maybe the former house was involved. Um, you would look at the fact that they use some parts of the old house to construct the new one. Maybe if you're going with that curse, they said, you know, they all the bricks from the old house they've used for the fireplace. Um, I think there are a couple other instances. I, it would suggest that maybe whatever it is is, is living on in this new house. That's if you want to go down that route. Wow. That's, mm. that's a really good outlook on it. Mm. <laughs> well, you see it and it's just a red light and just a, you know, just kind of a heartbeat rhythm to it. Um, I can't say that that's really the, the way I go with things. Um, but I don't dismiss it when someone brings up something along those lines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it seems kind of depressing too, that it's a reminder of this is how, your father passed away and it's mm-hmm. constantly in the back i mean even sam has his second wedding on the beach so was that house in the background mm-hmm. during mm-hmm. his wedding? 
Yes. So, so the next is Gregory's. It's not Gregory's the ones that's next, right? After you, I think it is. I I do want to talk about the cemetery real quick, if that's okay. Yes. Go ahead. Um. So there's a cemetery for there's a pet cemetery, not not Stephen King type pet cemetery, (laughs) but there is a cemetery for some pets. There's a cemetery for the deceased family members. And there are loving details on these headstones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like for Molly, there's a, a little cat with angel wings, which is absolutely precious. Mm-hmm. For Walters, like I mentioned to you guys in our conversation, mm-hmm. I didn't notice this the first time around. I thought it was just this rock. But if mm-hmm. you get closer to it, it's like this little diorama where mm-hmm. he's standing on the beach looking out. So I don't yeah. know if that's supposed to symbolize his freedom, hope. Mm his release from his, the shackles of his tortured mind, perhaps. Yeah. But did you guys, uh, oh, Edie's grave, which this, with the timeline, it's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. That it has a headstone over there. Yes. There are a book with a bunch of letters, which kind of adds a little bit more glue and solidity to her fabricating stories. She mm-hmm. seems like a master with words and creativity. Yeah. And, and yeah. It also the way the words are floating around, uh, we, the way that some dialogue is put throughout the game, uh, there's tremendous. Uh, I, I love the way they do it with the letters in this. Um, sometimes sentences will actually physically appear. Uh, and you can kind of manipulate them, like walk through them. Um, there's one part out on the the beach with the kite later on, yeah, um, where you're flying it literally through them. Um, and this is uh, once again, the gameplay is with Edith is not real time. It's just what she has written down. Uh, and I kind of took that to be uh, that the letters swirl around a lot like Edie's headstone with the book with the letters kind of um that this was this in and of itself um was kind of inspired by that the story we're we're hearing from edith here um has her touches throughout maybe it's a uh, edith's own way of kind of a continuation um because these stories these passings she's passing along herself um mm-hmm. to to the person that is that is reading it um, so, so I thought it was interesting that the way we've seen the words kind of bouncing around the entire game are similar to what's on Edie's um, memorial there. Yes. Um, so it's because it always feels like even though she's been um, deceased, I believe, seven years at this point, uh, it, it feels like she is still pulling the strings throughout the, the, the game that we're playing through here. That she's yeah. kind of an omnipresent yes. force throughout. Were there any other uh, gravestones you guys thought were? I I, I I I thought it was just it was the neatest thing. The little pet area um, went through some pets and weren't very creative with names either. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, Milton. It's worth stating um, is the only one that does not a body. Um, we'll get more on his story, but it's said that he wasn't found. Um, so his was there, uh, not. Um, you know, kind of to celebrate his his death or anything like that. Uh, it was just there to remember him, not to to mourn him 
and Milton's. It's the only one that I guess does not have a, a body in it. Um, and of course, everyone else's. It's just it's it's things that they enjoyed. Spin, I believe, has the a saw and some other you know kind of workshop tools that he is. Calvin has his his rocket and things like that. So I, I thought they were all all very appropriate, um, and, and I think goes with kind of the painstaking um, detail kind of Edie puts into uh, memorializing these, these mm-hmm. relatives that have passed. I think. I don't, but I think the next is the next death actually Sam because well during this journey you find out something about Edith that you might not have realized at the beginning. She is twenty two weeks pregnant. Yes, mm-hmm. she mentions yes. how she because she she's very precarious too. She takes some pretty dangerous methods <laughs> yes. climbing on tree branches. I'm not pregnant, and I wouldn't be climbing on tree branches. <laughs> right, because yeah. you really because. It looked like I think you could see her shadow, but it, it looked like she wasn't pregnant. And when you see her shadow, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's, yeah, not, it, it's not huge. It's not a huge belly yet. Yeah. Yes. And, and yeah, that is a, that is a thing, and it, and it goes back to where um, maybe the fact that they believe in these stories and this curse um, factors into just the way they uh, live their life. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that these are people these are people that don't think they're going to be around um I, even though at this point in time she has a little more than you know kind of her her own life to worry about um but in general i think it's just led to these people being um a little more reckless because they they know that you know time's up pretty soon uh they don't exactly. have to worry about pres- preserving themselves to an old age so yeah so so that's what is the next one was it gregory's it's uh, uh- Actually, uh, Sam, because I thought it was Gregory too, but it it. But then I was thinking, as you traverse along the beach and you climb mm-hmm. the tree branches, which is around where Molly, as a cat, was chasing that bird, and then you get onto this deck and you climb a yeah. ladder, and it's Sam's room because I started remembering all of the military paraphernalia, because he he joined the military when he was eighteen, which but the timeline I think it was nineteen sixty eight, so he would have served in Vietnam. Yes. Mm-hmm. So his is the next one. And like you were saying, he was a big photographer. Yes. Yes. So, oh, God. Who wants to start off this one? This one's so okay, sad. So, so Sam <laughs> is taking, uh, Sam has uh, his daughter, and they're going on a hunting trip. He's teaching his daughter mm-hmm. how to shoot. Um, but while he's doing it, you know, he's making memories of taking this picture. And the daughter kind of doesn't really want to be there, but she's doing it for him and everything. And so you go out, uh, and I think this is from the first mar- marriage, I think. She, if, or, he so she um his the daughter's Dawn, who's actually Edith's mom. The Dawn is a teenager, I guess, at this time. Okay hunting and he would have been married to his second wife by now the mm. get into the first wife in a little bit her <laughs> so it's her but it's just dawn and sam the stepmom's not there mm-hmm. her siblings are not there but it that is a really cool vignette because not no two people are going to have the same photos you are actually taking the photos and you can take them of whatever you yeah. like it's a really cheeky yes. one 
where Sam is actually oh, yeah. <laughs> by the tree and you're playing with Dawn and you can take a picture of your dad using the yeah. restroom. <laughs> yeah. And there are only, there are only certain pictures that will progress the story along. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I, I did love that you could, I, and with most things in this game, you can take your time. Um, and yeah, there are a lot of stuff, pictures you can take and get like maybe a little bit of alternate dialogue here and there. So I, I mm-hmm. did like the way that was done. And, and the first time I played this, I had the hardest time. There was one particular, I think, where you first encounter um, the deer. You have to zoom yes. in with the camera. I had the hardest time finding that thing. And I just remember taking pictures of absolutely everything. Um, you know, because you have to get it just focused, just right, um, and lined up just right for the story to move along. But I, I just, I thought that was, once again, um, just a very neat way of uh, presenting the story and, and kind of a, a unique kind of gameplay mechanic as you went along. Yes. And then when you see the deer, Sam is very eager to kill mm-hmm. it. And he wants Dawn to do it. He wants to teach. Mm. He keeps emphasizing throughout this story. I want to teach you survival skills. If you ever need them, I want you to be mm. able to take care of yourself. So he has her. This is really neat. He's taking her picture where she's aiming the gun. And when you take it just right, you hear the gunshot. Yeah. And yes. See that the deer's on this cliff or something. And Dawn is beside herself. She is not happy that she has killed Bambi. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Pretty much, mm-hmm. yes. And so then it they uh go up Watser is uh going into you know to see if the deer is dead and stuff and uh uh she's telling him uh, uh no not not Watser, Sam, I'm sorry. He's she's telling Sam that hey, it looks like it's still twitching and Sam's just like doesn't pay attention to it. And the last picture it shows of the deer breaking up with Sam about to fall off the cliff. Mm-hmm. So he's dying in the same way that his brother died. Yes. Yeah. That that's definitely worth mentioning. Um and it's also worth also worth mentioning at this point in time, uh, this was like one of the most kind of non- crazy deaths i mean just the circumstances are but uh there wasn't anything in this one you could really pick apart um which i think was interesting because this is the first death that had a witness to it um don was there and don as we will see throughout um isn't playing with these games um she is not a big fan of these stories um that that her grandmother uh edie is is spinning uh she's not a fan of these yarns um so the first death we have that you see and it's like that is like that's bad luck that is a uh, very awful circumstances that, that everything lined up just right um but it's not out of the question it's not something we could sit here and debate um and the fact mm-hmm. that that is the first death that has um a witness to it i that's a good point. And and this, um, even as a young girl, we see that Dawn is kind of the voice of reason. She's trying to warn her dad. Yes. Dad, ear is still twitching. Um, and he's like, oh, no, that's normal. That's normal. Yeah. she She's the one I feel like kind of defies, um, you know, she she's one. Uh, she's a diamond in the rough there in that family. As far as yes. I think she's the one that doesn't let this curse define her she's aware of it and i think she can see 
how crazy everyone else in her family is acting and um just you know kind of how um haphazard everyone is um and she is very much a voice of reason that goes unlistened to um throughout the game apparently yes and yes. Uh, we we do learn through exploring her room and her her loft that mm-hmm. she turned to religion later mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for comfort which i mean with all those circumstances i'd be looking for a lot of answers myself yeah. <laughs> but it, it's the thing that that's what she turned to rather than turning to um you know the the stories mm-hmm. and the uh, you know the curses and everything um you know all the things the Edie has fabricated she's kind of rejected and she's trying to understand what's going on and cope with what's going on in a in a different means yes yes, yes. Uh, which i mean some people this is just some people might argue oh that's that's fantastical too but at least with whatever she's finding something that multiple people practice multiple people find comfort and it's way more grounded than these fantasy stories that her grandmother is telling with yes yes so ed we're about to get to the one that you were talking about (laughs) so in the same room uh as she continued to walk by you pick up and you see uh the story about um you know, watch her not watch her, Sam getting a divorce, mm-hmm. and it tells the story of their one year old, uh, Gregory. And you kind of find out that he is in this bathtub, and Sam is narrating the whole thing, he's trying to figure mm-hmm. out, uh, you know, the mom, uh, instead of just still denying the phone to pick Gregory out and put him out. She hears a phone call because she says, Gregory's time to get out the bath. And she hears a phone call and she goes and answers it. And... Who, does, who does that? Oh, um, <laughs> and this was one of those, because you know when you see the memorial, you know when you uh, go over, you know what's happening. You know the end of this character. So it was, um, it was a real shock. Because, I, I mean, kids have already dropped off in this. You know, uh, small mm-hmm. kids by that means, um, you know, 10 year old uh, and whatnot. Um, but when you see that, it's like, oh, so I don't want to do this one. Like I did. But at the same time, it's like, all right, for the sake of completing this story, which we, we still are trying to piece together. I guess I need to see what's going on. Uh, but it's one of those that it's just you dread it from the second it comes on. And yeah, I, I did. And this one's presented. And, and, and just the saddest fashion. And, and Sam presents it almost like Edie, where he's telling yeah. this magical yeah. story. Yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. and he's telling it, you know, to his... He's telling it to us as the player, but he's mm-hmm. really speaking it to his wife mm-hmm. and everything uh, uh, about it. Yeah. Trying to comfort. And it's just like, okay... Yes, it is doing this magical thing, and it has this great classic. Uh, um, and I cannot think of what the piece is. Is that it but, is the Waltz of the Flowers? Look okay. at that. Okay, and so, <laughs> and so you're knocking stuff into the uh, bathtub, mm. and at one point you take all the water out, mm. and it's just like okay. Error all the toys is on the ground, but then you get you end up plugging 
the bathtub again mm-hmm. and you control i believe a frog mm-hmm. and it gets in and it hits the handle and the bathtub starts filling up with water mm-hmm. and because there's no one there to stop it and you cannot stop it there's yeah, no way I- for you to stop you end up seeing the end of gregory and uh, it it goes back to where sam is you know telling his uh ex-wife you know the story of how he thinks how their child died and the divorce kind of happens because of the death mm-hmm. of gregory and that's as you can see that's uh that's a common thing that happens after a, a child passes oh, yeah. away, actually um the parents split up and it's they the way they handle gregory's death is is beautiful i'm not mm-hmm. i'm not going to deny it especially because uh, they show him as hallucinating or imagining himself as the frog because you mm-hmm. see little green hands appear mm-hmm. swimming under the water swimming mm-hmm. towards the drain and oh like billy said the second i saw i was sitting <laughs> in the bathtub as a baby my heart dropped yeah <laughs> Yeah. Um, but it, but it's, it's one of those, it's, I, I'm, I'm sure it's, a, it's something that has occurred. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's not something, and, and like Ed pointed out, uh, and a great catch on that, Sam is doing his own version. Um, and I think you're seeing with him a practical application uh, of what Edie's doing um, for, for herself and the rest of the family. Uh, he's trying to comfort the even though they're in the midst of this divorce, he's still from one human to another um, is still trying to present uh, this horrible and yes, slightly negligent death. Um, he, he's trying to comfort her and, and help her get through that by presenting it in a um, kind of more fantasy world kind of for what it was happy, happier type way. Um, which I, I think is definitely something um, that was probably passed passed down to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is that is definitely uh, something. And and I think Sam was the one that pinned also the um, the thing from Calvin. So Sam also has, has obviously inherited Edie's kind of way with way with words and way with kind of taking these awful situations and um putting this kind of magical spin on them to to ease the the pain of everyone there and i don't they're not i don't think they're getting a divorce at the time gregory is alive but he keeps calling and k sounds yeah. very frustrated yeah, there's so obviously I don't know. Uh, obviously an argument and there's probably a lot of uh there's probably a lot of blame back and forth and i know when, when a child passes kind of both parents Mm-hmm. find their own way of coping uh and a lot of times that that's in opposite directions so that's so, that's yeah so i i i think it they, they probably were separated mm-hmm. at that time and then while she is mad at sim you know the guilt the guilt she probably feel or the blame she kind of feels like you kept me on mm-hmm. on the phone instead of attending mm-hmm. to our child and because mm-hmm. of because of cause you did cause a which affected me as b mm-hmm. this is what happened it ended up being c where you was on the phone talking to me arguing about something that wasn't probably important and mm-hmm. because of that 
the responsibility that I have for our child got neglected, mm-hmm. and that neglect uh, that neglect ended up killing our child. So, mm-hmm. you know, and that guilt, that grief that the wife had to do uh, is stuff because we don't know what happened to the wife after. Mm-hmm. Uh, she escaped the, the madhouse. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's what she did. She, so that's a great point. I, I can imagine the, the arguments that ensued after that mm-hmm. poor baby's death, but uh, they do handle it very tastefully. And there is a yeah. trophy. There is a trophy. If you knock all of Gregory's magnetic letters, spelling mm-hmm. his name in the yeah. bathtub, you knock them off. It's, it's so, oh man. And I don't know how Dawn stayed in that around that room. Cause they kept his crib and Sam keeps, saying, oh, our baby was so happy. And you can even see in Gregory's pictures, just mm-hmm. the cutest thing. So smiling all the time. Mm. And so it's Gregory's crib, then it's Dawn's old bed, and then it's Gus's bed and Gus's memorial. It's Gus's yeah. the second I do one. wonder, mm-hmm. though, did, was Gregory walking? At one? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't have any kids, so... Uh, they're they're uh, they're up in a bath. They're they're up on their feet at that point. Because because uh, it seemed to be that he cut on the water and let the water continue to come up, and he ended up drowning himself. That yes. is the idea of it. The reality, um, instead of a, a frog doing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, because I because I can't imagine throwing, even if he's in there throwing toys. Uh, that that's just it's a lot of lucky shots or unlucky shots to to plug the tub and manage to turn the faucet on also. So it is, it is conceivable that, um, you know, he got up and, uh, you know, accidentally you know, cut the, cut the tub on messing around with it and, and whatnot mm-hmm. and, and couldn't get out or, or just, you know, played in the, or maybe he wanted the water at one year old. Uh, I just had one here at the house and he, oh. <laughs> He loves jumping in the tub. Like that's his favorite time. So it's it's perfectly conceivable. The water gets drained and he's not done. Uh, you know, he wants it back on and he's seen how to cut it on. So yeah, it, it's it's hard to say. Um, but definitely I, I, I can't see it being the way it's presented, which, you know, is is the point of what Sam is is writing. because uh, sometimes I think it, it's easier. He's learned probably from his time at that house. It's easier to to accept these these kind of stories um, than it is to just the, the stark reality of it. Oh, yes. I hope the water wasn't too hot either. That made that just <laughs> occurred to me that oh, oh, oh. <laughs> we better move on because I'm going to start moving crying. On. <laughs> so uh, moving on is uh, you continue to search through the house because um, it's not melting yet. Gus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's Gus, and it I have Gus. to say, I think his is the most forgettable. I hate to say it like that. Oh man, yeah. Um, there is nothing. It it's it's cut and dry. I don't think even the I lo- I love the way it's presented. Uh, that's kind of neat. Um, but the the as far as the story goes, um, there's not a lot there, and you can tell. I, you're in and out of that scenario because um, because really this quickly. is the this is him outside when mm-hmm. the marriage and. He's in a kite and, you know, he flicks. Uh, he flicks his dad off. <laughs> yeah, he flicks his dad yeah. off. This, this, is not a, this is not a wedding that he is happy to be at. So he's decided instead of attending, 
He's hanging out on the beach for the evening, just flying his kite around. Yes. Yes. It's he's not... like 13 or something. Mm-hmm. So you move the kite around with different words and everything, all, all the senses that's coming. And then soon you start, the, it starts getting out of control and the kite starts collecting all of this uh, debris. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last thing you collect is the tent that the people have moved into and mm-hmm. everything is dancing around you and then it ends up hitting, hitting you and it blacks out and you and you end. So it pretty much he kind of it looks like that he got killed by playing his kite. Um maybe he would have got electric, electrocuted, maybe a tree fell or something, he got connected, but he ends up dying uh in a way that I kind of like you guys kind of felt like I didn't care about this one in a way kind of felt deserved because mm-hmm. of him just being so not disrespectful but being uh, um very obstinate yeah yeah uh, uh, defiant a little defiant bit. yeah mm-hmm. defiant uh I was, it starts with an r and i cannot think about it I don't like know why. uh recalcitrant um we rebellious Rebellious. Oh yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. He's oh yeah, he's at the perfect age for that. And he has his little yeah. mohawk and his spiked yes. bracelets. <laughs> you can tell yeah. he's trouble. He's yeah. um but I, I, I did also I it's it's one of those um it, it's 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 a forgettable one. Um just I think none of them I think are made for filler, you know, just to, to pad it out. This is definitely the one where I, I don't think there was much to it. Um, they just had this family member. We need to come up with a way, you know, to knock them off. Um, but yeah, it does show, and I don't know the passage of time. Um, it obviously it's getting darker and I don't know, but there's a storm also. So it's hard to say what time has passed because you're told, you know, the wedding's on the beach, then it moves to the tent. Uh, but then he's killed by the tent, supposedly that, that picks up in the storm, um, and, and kind of mows him down. Uh, but there's no one in there. So I don't know if it's one of those things where it's like Ed saying, maybe he got hit by lightning, maybe one of many other things, or maybe it was just he was out there even after everyone came and went. Um, mm. And time time's passed that we, it doesn't look like it has to us. Um, you know, it, you kind of get jumps here and there. But that last part between when they go in the tent and when it hits him, I can't tell if any time has passed or not. Um, it would be the only one that I would have like any kind of slight complaint about. Um, it, it doesn't do a good job of conveying the passage of time. Like, okay, wedding's over. Everyone's gone away. He's still refusing. Uh, he's going to sit there on the beach all night. But at the same time, if there's a storm like that, mm-hmm. you think you're going to, you're going to round the kids up. You know, you're going to do a little head count. Um, and they said that, you know, everyone was so caught up in the celebrating that they didn't, they forgot about, I don't know there there's, I, and once again, you get kind of the themes of the negligence in there, um, which this is about the third or fourth instance of it. Um, and in him and, and Gus himself, you kind of get the kind of that sense of, they have this weird indestructible sense for people that are that are scared of this curse that's going mm-hmm. to take them down. That I think it gives them like this kind of indestructible 
sense to them. They're just going to do what they what they want to do. I'm going to, you know, swing over here by this cliffside. I'm going to fly mm-hmm. my kite during this what looked like hurricane. Um, so it's hard to say. Um, he definitely, you know, met his demise out there in that storm, whether it's because a tent picked up and hit him or not. Um, that's up for debate, but it's not one I, I, I debate too much. Um, that was definitely one of those I was kind of in and out of. I think it yeah. was the totem pole. I think it was mm. the family totem because if when you're playing as Edith and you're mm. on that beach area, you notice it yes. is no longer tall. Mm-hmm. There are different pieces mm-hmm. fallen to strewn about. Yeah. And I think they do show the tent, of course, hitting him in that vignette. Yeah. Vignette, but I think they kind of allude to the totem pole falling, possibly. Mm-hmm. Very. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if his death was so forgettable on purpose because it's like middle child syndrome. He's the middle child. Mm. I don't know. I'm just, I'm reading too deeply into this. That may be. That may be. Cause I think for him, it was just like, we need filler so we could get to the next one uh, or something or to expand the story uh, to it. Cause he didn't really like, there was no interest in him to like, what he contributed to the family or if he had mental problems or something. He he looked like he was just a normal, rebunctious kid and he just mm-hmm. died. You know? I know. I, I don't know. He looked like I would have liked to explore his story more. He seemed pretty interesting, but I think he kind of made himself a recluse on purpose. Yeah. You know? I mean, you remember what it was like when you were 13. Gosh, all the emotions. Yeah, and especially with a with a parent taking on a uh, with the, a new step parent and things like that, I could definitely definitely see that being a thing. Well, everybody, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come right back, and we're going to get into the last part of it, and we'll be right back. Oh, very smooth, guys. Thank you. Uh, my girlfriend forgot something. I have to run it out to her oh. if I if I possibly could. I guess she's juggling like three kids out there. Oh, hold on just one moment. Oh, no problem. Okay, let me put at about, um, we take a break about two, break around the two hour. Like 155 or something. Okay. This is such a good game. My goodness. All kind of good points being made. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's Let's uh, see. Guys, who's next? Is it Milton's next? It is, um... Uh, then you you go upstairs and you see Dawn's right. area where she meets her husband. I think it is it is Milton. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, so he's... it's Milton because then after it is Calvin's when he's at the fish factory. Lewis, Lewis. It is. Yeah, Calvin is the one who was on the swing. Oh, that is right. I oh. know there's so many names. <laughs> Uh, there are so many names and i was um, trying to write everything down it's just like oh why did i not get uh, there are so many names it's very easy to um let's all right see. oh right that was that was very fast uh, and then she uh, had she had half the stuff by the door it's it's the one-year-old's birthday party oh, thing later today so she's it's her oh, sister's well, child so we're well, thank taking you for uh taking time i'm sorry i didn't realize oh, you it's not till it right. got me out of a lot of moving furniture around so that's nice it's not until like 4 p.m today or something like that so oh okay uh, it is okay. much later break and okay all right you want to uh, we are back everybody mm-hmm. 
So here we go. And welcome back, everybody, to our Boss Rush Book Club panel special edition of What Remains of Eat a Fish. I am joined once again by Celeste Roberts and by Billy Holiday. We're going to continue on because we're getting close to the end. Mm -hmm. And so the next person that we meet is Milton Story. And this was so cool. What I liked about it was it was a little flip book. Mm-hmm. And all yeah. you do is just like hold the uh, directional thing, and everything just flips. And you see the animation. You see that he was into art and drawing. And uh, when you're looking at the book, he draws this uh, this door, um, and he walks to the door, and it ends. So there is no idea of did he just run away from the house and mm-hmm. never to be seen. Uh, and what made him do that? We have no idea. It, it, at first, Milton is kind of the main plot of the game. You're trying to find out mm. what happened to him, but everybody has all of these stories that you learn of their disappearance or their death. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when it comes to Milton, you kind of actually get the idea of, okay, I'm at the final thing. What is going on? Mm. Oh, he just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna preface that with um, after just just in case people are, are can like because it's like there's so many people in this dang house. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> after you you do Gus's you go upstairs and there's a little loft and it's actually like a little military looking a uh, rock wi- rock mm. wall climbing thing you climb up there's Dawn's little loft that she lives in and you find out she meets this man in India named Sanjay mm-hmm. and that she they end up getting married she went to India to teach English. Then they get married, and Milton is one of their children. And I, I was curious as to, well, why would you stay in this house with all these people and bad memories after you get married mm. and start a family? But it, we learned that Sanjay passes away during an earthquake in India because he was a mm. relief expert, like disaster relief expert. Mm. And so with their children, Milton being one of them, Dawn moves back to the house and... Yes. So, uh, Milton's little room, it's like a little tower. It is so cool. And it has like a um, firefighter pole mm-hmm. that you can slide down. At. Or is it a lift? It's a lift. It's a lift. Yeah, okay. it is a lift. Yep. Yeah. Dang. But, I don't, I yeah. didn't have that in my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> the thing with Milton uh, is infinitely interesting, uh, but it's, it's also infuriating. Um, when you're trying to logic together things uh the first time i played through i had played a game called the unfinished swan which was yes. made by the same folks that put this one out uh so automatically like a lot of the stuff there uh is, is very reminiscent you got like the stark white background easels with uh, kind of just the black paint um some of it's just kind of splattered unfinished swan you are presented in just like these blank areas you you kind of bring the world to life, figure out what's what by throwing these balls of paint at it. And that's how you kind of find out where where things sit, uh, where the, the walls are, which ways you can and can't go. Um, and, and a lot of the imagery I thought was very similar. Um, and when I first played through this, I wasn't aware it was the people from that game. Um, mm-hmm. So I, you know, I thought maybe maybe one of the developers is involved because it's too much. It's it, it's too much to uh to just be coincidence that both these things look so similar. Um, and then there are there are aspects of it like this this king kind of logo um, with the crown and all that uh, that looks straight 
out of the game. And then I found out, oh, okay, it's the same people that did that one. Um, the flip book uh, is, is kind of eerily similar to um, the, the King from Unfinished Swan, which when you play the game, you... I'm, I'm going to try not to spoil that one um, in case people want to get it. I, I assume if you're watching this one, you have no trouble with it. I don't want to spoil another game, um, which I highly recommend playing in the process. But there, uh, you wake up in this kingdom. You, you've gotten this unfinished artwork from your mother who's passed. Um, you enter the artwork, and you're in this world of this king who just kind of mysteriously appeared and worked on all these paintings but never really finished anything um, and subsequently has come to find out someone had brought up to one of the developers if this was just a nod, a little Easter egg, um, or if this was canon. Uh, they speculated that Milton is the king from Unfinished Swan, and the developers actually confirmed it, um, that Milton is. He did legitimately paint a door with a magic paintbrush he walked through, and that was that. Um, and as you can see from in his little room, there are like a lot of kind of unfinished paintings and all that, which kind of lend themselves to that story, uh, which is neat until you want to try to make logic out of the game you're in. Because uh, we've now been confirmed that there are magic paintbrushes and doors to other worlds and, and things like that. Um, so it kind of... I, I don't know if it's just him and we're just supposed to believe, all right, here's one otherworldly happening, everything else in the game you can explain, or if there is indeed something else involved, because if we can be told that magic paintbrushes are a thing in this universe and doors to other worlds, um, some kind of paranormal or, you know, otherworldly supernatural curse could also be possible. So the thing with Milton is it's, 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 the coolest Easter egg. It's a really neat tie-in, um, especially if you want to go and play that game afterwards or before. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I have I haven't. I haven't uh, I've worked on it a little bit, but I haven't finished it yet. Okay, and it's definitely um, uh, it's great, especially now that you you are talking about this that in depth to go and play that one. Um, I do probably. Ever. Uh, it was the best because it was just such an incredible tie-in um, and thing to do with this character. They obviously are, like Ed said, they kind of push him out there. His uh, missing posters, one of the first things you see, there are stacks of them scattered uh, throughout the game. And it does very much feel like finding him or finding out what happened to him is a big part of it. So for that to be such uh, an a uh, character demanding so much attention and for it to be like this. Um, I don't know if it's just a gigantic nod to the other game or if, if, or, you know, to get people to go and play it, or if it's just one of those things that says something beyond our understanding occurred with this character. It's not too much to believe uh, that it throughout the game. I don't know. Uh, it, it's one of those things I wish it was not so. We do see if whenever you're in the crawl spaces, you see little mm -hmm. Easter eggs from Milton left around yes. little drawings yes. that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you wanted, even though it's canon and it's been confirmed, I guess you could think, okay, he died in one of the 
Crawway. Yes. Which, which, yes. That, that's one of those things I just, oh, I wish it wasn't so. I, I wish it wasn't. Uh, but you know what? Because that, mm-hmm. I, I kind of feel like Milton was another cop out. He was just a cheap cop out. Mm. Like, <laughs> I don't, I, I, because when you play through everything, mm. everybody has a grand, or, uh, grandiose kind of explanation or story told about them, so you mm. really feel emotional to get a kind of idea sense. And it kind of felt like this build up to find out what really happened to Mil- Milton mm. was a as cool as the idea was was a flip book. Why <laughs> it kind of felt like okay, you guys must be running out of money or uh, time. <laughs> development time because mm. it just felt very cheap definitely when you get into like the story after Milton um mm. where is uh what who was it again uh the story uh, after Milton yeah is uh Lewis yeah and, and one more Milton aside I always assumed um that he didn't get the same treatment because uh maybe Edie was reluctant considering he's missing Mm-hmm. Uh, not confirmed dead of putting out some, you know, tale that she's been doing only to have him show up. Yeah, like, he could. I mean, uh, I, uh, yeah. Maybe with her own baby and kind of leave this one alone. You don't want, you know, 30 year old Milton showing up after you've, you've concocted this tremendous death story for him. And I do notice, I think it's after you leave his, his, well, it's like his little house. It's not even just a room. Uh, Edith says, whatever Milton found in the house, mom didn't want it getting out. Mm. Mm. That really caught my attention. What, what yeah. is going on with this house? Is, <laughs> <laughs> is it like Ed said, and it's, it's eating everyone alive? Mm. I mean, mm. my goodness. But yeah. that's, uh, these additions to the house i think well then you go to a classroom right you see where dawn authored a book about teaching children and she would teach her own children Mm -hmm. in this really cute little classroom and if you pay attention there's a newspaper clipping which i was saying about sanjay that you learn he died in an earthquake Mm -hmm. in india and there's there's just some cool stuff like Lewis wrote on his desk Lewis rules he carved mm-hmm. it on his desk just really <laughs> neat things in that classroom and then you go to Lewis's room is like a boat I believe they yes. turned a boat yes. into his room yes and so Lewis is um, he's working at a tuna factory where he's cutting off the head of fish. And he throws it in, and then he begins to daydream. Now, he's with a psychologist who is sending a letter uh, to tell about his diagnosis and his uh, progress. And as you're playing, um, she's telling the story that, you know, Lewis was telling her was uh, he was like this kind of king or this adventurer. And the more that you just walk through... Mm -hmm. uh, you're getting more people like getting a band and the people are celebrating you, but you're still cutting fish. Mm -hmm. So you're actually doing two kind of gameplays at once. Mm -hmm. So if you have your right analog stick, you are moving the fish. It's getting his head cut off. And then you are putting it in the, uh, on the conveyor belt while doing that, your left analog stick is making you walk Mm -hmm. through it. 
So you have to kind of keep eye on both of them, what's yeah. going on. And then it yeah. gets the mom comes and tries to explain to Lewis, you know, we want you to come home, get better, but he's still cutting the fish and he's still lost in his mind. And you, his have to, you have to play this game for this part. There's just it is <laughs> brilliant. Uh, this is the this is the the masterpiece of them all. Yes. Um and, and really it it's it's the one that I think kind of as an adult um especially myself, someone who has dabbled in a little escapism here and there. Uh you know, kind of the stress of the day whether it's uh, video games things like that. I I think we've all tried to kind of escape for a little bit here and there. Um but this is taken to a a, a very um, extreme degree um, and it's just it, it deals with how someone just kind of copes with uh, monotony um, you know just a, a monotonous almost pointless you know kind of life that this guy's living just uh, he has just the most menial of tasks super repetitive uh, and just sits there and it gets to the point where his real world and his fantasy world, the, the fantasy world is is looking a lot better and the, the real world is is looking a lot bleaker. And uh, and it's one thing to say that uh, there was some a mental, uh, you know, health disorder or something like that. I think it's probably obvious, um, at least in his case. Uh, I don't think it is widespread amongst family. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at least in his case. But there are times also where he has outright, you know, kind of said that he knows what he's doing, um, that he knows that uh, this is imaginary. And the quote is that his imagination is as real as his body. Um, so he uh, has a grasp on what he's doing, but I think it's just someone who has given up Um on life, and I, I don't know if that's um, uh, there is some uh, drug paraphernalia <laughs> in <laughs> his room. Uh, I mean, we're talking lighter stuff. I don't know if anything else is involved though. Um, he obviously, had antidepressants, but yeah, he stopped uh, taking. Yeah. Them. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. So, so I would think, and a lot of people pose the theory that this is just mental illness sweeping throughout the family, um, which I don't think is the case, and I think. Would be a big discredit because that's that hinges on a little bit of lazy writing, and and I don't think uh, these develop. I think these developers have earned our trust that they're not going the lazy route um, with well, anything. Uh, well, I think it's it's him dealing with a uh, different form of depression because yes. as you play through, uh, you get on the ship and you start taking these places down, and you and while the narration of the psychologist is telling what's going on, mm-hmm. you get to select that if you want to be with the prince yes. or you want to be with the queen or whatever, mm-hmm. and you get to the final point where where you see him cutting still, yeah. but then you still controlling him, and he's going up this uh this um the core um can i say about to say corduroy, conveyor, the conveyor, conveyor belt, belt. Mm-hmm. and you go through this glass and you're transported into the kingdom and you see you hear all the music you see that same mm-hmm. band and you see while going up there is this certain instrument i would say mm-hmm. and you go up the stairs and they're blocking past all so you have to follow the path that yeah. That it leads to. You go up to the stairs and you're about to be crowned. But the only way that you can be crowned is laying your head down. And the next thing you know, you hear 
chop. So mm. the idea is that he put his head through the chopper thing at work and chopped his own head off. Mm-hmm. And I was, when I first played the game, I was curious about, you know, just the excessive daydreaming. So in 2002, there was a psychiatrist who, I don't, I don't know, came up with or d- discovered, or she began discussing something called maladaptive daydreaming. Did you guys mm. read about that by any chance? Mm. It's it's basically this, it's a disordered form of dissociative absorption associated with excessive fantasy. Mm-hmm. And this experience is reported to be extremely rewarding to the extent that some of those who experience it develop a compulsion to repeat it, like mm-hmm. to the point of addiction. Mm-hmm. So, and as you listen to the psychiatrist's letter being read aloud, it sounds like that, that was his coping mechanism. He's yeah. only 22 when he passes away, mm-hmm. which... I don't, I don't know if he has schizophrenia because like Billy said, he's fully aware of reality versus his daydreams. Mm-hmm. And do you, okay. So do you guys think it was intentional or an accident? I, I think it's, it's intentional. Mm-hmm. It may be, uh, it may have been, it, it's hard to say. Um, but I, I do lean towards it being intentional. I, I think it got to be one of those things where, uh, just real world living as it was um, was just not something for him uh, he, um, any longer. To me, when he stopped taking this antidepressants, it really felt that he was just giving in to the mental problems. Mm-hmm. That he didn't want to, you know, fight anymore. He just wanted to let things needed to be because it made him feel something made him feel powerful and when it made him feel like he was a king it made him feel on the top of the world he knew that if he continued to take those antidepressants all of that would be taken Mm. away Mm. and so in order for him to really feel like he's living his true life in a sense he just gave in and so he uh i don't think it was it was accidental i think he he didn't realize that you know he mm-hmm. continued to carry this uh this ideal of being king um until his final death and what he just didn't realize that he was still at work with that mentality because mm-hmm. he really wasn't trying to go home um when you are playing the character uh you see that you're going through this locker room and stuff and his a locker is open and you mm. just see a different set of uh, of a perspective just like why is he still cutting mm. and why are you allowed to go up <laughs> to this conveyor belt go through this glass window and think that you're and the idea would have been like he went through this he went through the career belt he went through the glass window and he fell and died somewhere but and no one stopped him because there was no other employee in the factory so i really think that he just i i think he got to the point where he was just like he he kind of thought that he he didn't realize that mm-hmm. he was in a real world and he had put his head down mm-hmm. and chopped mm-hmm. um and what led this, the symbolism that led to it, and you don't think about it till he actually get his head chopped off, is him actually working at a factory where you cut the heads off. Mm. And mm. so while you're controlling, you're, cu- you're cutting fish heads off. So he probably thought the symbolism kind of just like, you are the fish. 
that you don't have no control over. Someone, mm. but mm. your mind is that hand that's controlling you to kill yourself, and mm. that's what happened. And it got rid of you mm. when you're when it, after you got done. So what happened is is that he probably went killed himself, and his mind let him go. And so now he's not living no more. He's not king no more. And a lot and of it's at the core. <laughs> I, I was just pointing out the coronation. Um, one detail I saw for the first time, I don't know how I missed it, was the gigantic Molly cat, yeah. which is there. <laughs> um, and I think that uh, one thing that makes me think it's intentional um, is the is Dawn, the mother's um, reaction to it. Um, this was as teased throughout. This was the event that led to her essentially saying, we have got to go. Um, we've got to get away from the house, away from the stories. Um, because I believe she, and it's like where Edith, I think was kind of echoing her mother's sentiment that maybe the stories are what's hurting them. I, I think it wasn't any more evident than in, um, you know, Lewis's case where maybe he already has, um, problems or a disorder that would make him more prone mm -hmm. uh, to being affected by these. But when you grow up in this uh, world, you know, you're, you're spinning these yarns and all these other people in the family are able artistically to get things out. Um, I didn't see anything that suggested anything like that with him. So maybe his form of, of kind of expressing things was, was inside, um, was in his own mind. And that's kind of how he expressed himself uh, and got all this out, um, all this, like, nearly fantasy world input that was being put in. Um, you know, Milton had his his art. Uh, Sam had his photography, you know, and uh, maybe that's all he had, was just he kind of dealt with it by slipping away, and it was kind of fueled. Um, by yeah, uh, you live in a world where these where dragons attack people and you know and and you can fly and and things like that. Um, and, and who knows, someone that already was maybe a little more uh, vulnerable or sensitive to things like that, where their mind would would go with that. Yeah, it was yeah, and, and I know that people who have dealt with suicidal thoughts mm. or or left notes to. It's uh, it's relief. Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not in anybody who's listening. I'm not yeah. encouraging doing that. It's there. It feels like your your only escape, your only mm -hmm. way mm -hmm. to have some kind of relief from whatever your whatever's plaguing you mentally. Because yeah. wasn't this Edith's brother? Yes. Yes, her older brother. Uh, older and brother. it's it's worth uh, it's worth mentioning. Uh, this was a a little bit of a creepy aside here um and i think it's mentioned earlier um when you're in edie's room initially um it's it's either uh, states that she was working on you know because everyone has their own you know memorial usually with like a drawn picture of them something like that um that edith uh, edie was working on lewis's um before mm -hmm. the incident um so she obviously maybe kind of had I don't know, through conversation or just observation, um, ideas that, you know, he, he might be not be stretching out. Um, you know, he's kind of breaking down fast. Um, and even creepier thing, and maybe one of the reasons the mother hightailed it out was uh, Edith just kind of 
kind of mentions um, that the last thing, last time she was in her her great grandmother's room, mm. uh, she was paint, painting a portrait of her, um, which I don't know. Um, you could you could certainly, and there are theories out there that Edie has worse intentions than you know. But I currently believe uh, I, I don't know. But I just thought that was. Uh, a strange thing and you can either take it as just painting her great granddaughter's portrait or you can take it as another kind of you know shrine in the, the early stages because lewis's picture is still in her room still in edith's mm-hmm. room not in his yeah. room and yeah. they, edith and her mom we learn when we go up to edith's loft her room they left a week after his funeral and in fact if at the very beginning if you look at the fridge you do see i don't like not an announcement but you see a card talking about lewis's Mm -hmm. where they're going to take place the time Mm -hmm. and everything and i just want to say it would suck if you lived in those rooms and it's raining (laughs) to (laughs) access them (laughs) during inclement weather but who yeah. is coming? Who's coming to these funeral things at this point? Uh, the, I mean, the family is <laughs> the family is cleaned out. Um, at the time, I think you are only it's it's Edith, uh, her great grandmother, who um, isn't going much longer, and her mother Dawn. Uh, I I don't know of any other um, family. So for it to be like a big posted notice for it you know that obviously was was mail off i i don't know uh because uh, the character didn't strike me um as one that had much going on in the outside world uh, as far as friends or anything like that um so i, I thought that was odd i i could still i can see it uh maybe there is some you know long maybe there's some family on down there maybe there's cousins maybe there's uh you know in-laws things like that um, but still, I, I thought that was just an odd touch, especially when you realize at that point in time, it was just the three of them that lived in the house, kind of yeah. kind of still remaining. Oh, well, do you think it's like whenever you go to a funeral and you receive the little, like a little booklet? Yeah. Like a pamphlet? Uh, yeah they do it on their own accord, maybe. Yeah. No. But, but um, yeah. neat thing about when you get to Edith's, uh, when you get to her loft, um, you uh, you find out um, basically the rest of it. You get put on kind of in detail what happened their last night there, um, why they left as quickly as they did, um, the fate of the rest of them. You get all that. But before that, when I got in her room, I noticed um, that there were kind of things that tied in to a lot of other people's stories throughout. Um, she had the the little royal playset up there with the little the kings and and all that. She had um, an astronaut figure, um, which would would go along with Calvin, who that was his mm-hmm. thing. She had the the plush uh, jellyfish, just like we saw um, down in um, Molly's room. Um, she had a little frog, the little toy frog, like we saw from Gregory in the bath. A shark. She had all kinds of other little things there, um, which which led me further down the road of because um, this is being like we said several times that what's taking place here is just what you're reading. Um, yes, this is not your own personal observation. 
Um, er so everything in here is only as true. It's only the version that Edith is wanting to leave uh, for this person reading. Um, so, and she seemed to be very close uh, to her, her great-grandmother Edie and very receptive to her stories and whatnot. So I, I don't know if that stuff being up there uh, implies that Edith also um, kind of was kind of creatively crafting her own, uh, you know, story. Uh, how much of these stories that are being told are from Edie? How much are from Edith? Uh, it, it's hard to say. Um, just when I saw all that, I thought it was uh, obviously in a video game, you want to kind of bring things full circle um, there towards the end. But I thought that uh, that stuff has to be up there. Um, for a purpose, especially to have so many callbacks to to other deaths throughout. Uh, whether this is something that her and her great grandmother kind of sat down and and did together, or that she just so fully embraced it, or it could just be um, mementos for family members, which would which would be strange considering that she she didn't exactly you know she wasn't around for a handful of these. Uh, demises. So, you know, why would you why would you keep any kind of token or anything like that? I thought that was interesting. Um, just the, the, the things that were kind of scattered around her room. Oh, that's a good point. Mm. Yeah, I did see the little playset with the king. Mm. Thing. And then she sits down on her bed and it looks like she takes a, um, a quill, is it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Not a regular pen. It's, it's 2010 at the time or mm -hmm. 2017. I'm sorry, 2017 and she takes that quill. Yes, yes. <laughs> she starts writing. And that's when we have the flashback to the dinner mm. with her mother and her great grandmother. And, yeah. and they're, the mother's talking about how they're leaving. And the next day, a nursing home van will be going mm. to take Edie to live there. And Edie is drinking some kind of alcohol and Sean yes. says, you're not supposed to mix that with your medications. Edie ignores mm. that comment. So uh, do you guys think she was intentionally drinking alcohol? Uh, I, yes, I, I think it yeah. was. Um, and I think she, I, I think she knew the, the consequences of such. Um, you have to, cause that was the, I mean, that's the absolute last bit of her family that is, that is taking off. I, I think at that point in time, for one, um, you know, to, to experience like a lot, this was a great grandmother. So I, this lady has been around yeah. uh, to experience that amount of loss um, would have to have some, and obviously she cares. Um, even if it's in a very bizarre and dangerous way, uh, maybe for those around her, she, she, uh, seems to take these these deaths very very deeply um, and, and very hard, and I, and I think it's just it was a combination of just uh, the the end of a lot of things. Her family taking off. Um, she's essentially losing her house. You know, she's she's heading off to a, um, a assisted living after that. Um, and I and I think a lot of it, and we see. Um, a, this is a big mysterious point of contention. Um, she has left a gift for Edith, um, and and Edith sits down to begin reading. I, and I can only imagine it's just a a very kind of detailed telling of these stories and things like that. And 
you don't get much more because Don, um, upon seeing the Don has, as you can see from a child um, with with her father Sam, has kind of really been against this whole curse thing, and I think she's seen what it's done to the family, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think she's had a, a a clarity of her vision that the rest of them happened, and she and, doesn't want to see her daughter heading down this same road. So and, that that book is destroyed. And you kind of get an understanding with Don that, you know, yes, death is going to happen, but it's mm-hmm. not going to happen in the way in the Finch manner. Mm-hmm. You know, Don died, you know, a natural death. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Edith, um, you know, they gave a little hint about her being pregnant. She mm-hmm. gives birth to her son and she passes away, giving birth to it mm-hmm. so that is also a natural death that that can happen and mm-hmm. when you find out uh when you get off the boat that you are his, her son i think like mm-hmm. maybe 15 or something and he walks up and he sees the house um and he sees edith's uh grave and he mm-hmm. places some flowers on it um and that's kind of how the game ends like you look up and you see the house is kind of still standing but a little decrepit a little bit yeah. um and so that's how the game ends and so the, the remain of Edith Finch is that you know if you think about it her remains is in the graveyard at the house mm-hmm. so that's where Edith Finch remains yeah and that that's one way to take it and it's also in that book um that you get Edie's journey to the old house yes the night when, that, when that, um, Edith, Edith was born, born. Um, yes. There's low yes. tide, some phenomenon that causes her to be able to walk out there, um, and that is where you have your your deer encounter, um, much mm-hmm. like the one you had at the beginning of the game. Um, and you know, Sam met his demise by one also. So there, there's another one there. And Edie, it goes even further. She believes that you know the she walks up and the lights cut on. Um, so I, I'm. I think it just lends itself to her spinning these incredible yarns. Um, but yeah, you find out it is it's Edith's son that's kind of been reading the contents of the game to us. And and what he has is, I mean, that's what we have to go off of. And it depends on what his, his mother, his mother um, wanted to convey to him. And and we see from the beginning on the boat, this guy's already got a cast on his arm. Um, he, he's conti- he's continuing tradition. Who knows what he's going to get into? Uh, if he's smart, maybe he just stays out of that house. Um, but he's there to pay his respects to his mother. Um, and yeah, I, I think you can you can go literal. What remains of Edith Finch are you know if you want to go physical remains there at the house. What remains of her um, and the Finch family in general is her son. Um, and I think I took away it's it's kind of what remains of any of us, you know, when when any of us pass along, it's it's kind of the people we leave behind, um, family and friends, uh, and it's it's the stories that are told about us, and you know, and and that's what Edie was trying to do was take these just she's been dealt a shit hand, and she's trying to make the most of it she can by just you know trying to memorialize these people, trying to leave an amazing story, uh, you know, because that's all that's all that's left of them, all that remains of them. So I, I think you can take 
several ways you can take that, uh, both for Edith and both for just all of us. Um, you know, we want to leave behind people that love us and we want to leave behind excellent stories for them to be able to tell about us. Some of them, maybe a tall tale or two about us. Um, so, so I think when you're, you're dealing with remains they're they're both the, the kind of the, you know, the metaphorical and, and the literal. I think so too. It's your, yeah. it's your legacy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of like Shakespeare when he talks about, I'm going to immortalize you in this sonnet, whoever mm-hmm. the, the person mm-hmm. is or if so but it's kind of like billy's talked about with the unreliable narrator yeah you're there are different versions of all of us right your perspectives yes. of me mm-hmm. are different from a family member's perspective mm-hmm. of me a teacher of co-workers so mm-hmm. they're all different stories of us floating yeah. around and i don't know which one would be 100 percent accurate we all yeah. have perspectives of ourselves right mm-hmm. and this is something, uh, there was a deer in Edie's little flashback. There's a deer mm. in the fog, mm. which I thought was very bizarre. Is there a deer just running on the beach yes. <laughs> in the low tide? But it reminded me of the deer and Sam's story and the deer we see at the very beginning of mm-hmm. uh, with Edith. And I don't know if deers, do, do de- does deer symbolize? Do deer symbolize something? I, I looked it up and I, 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 mm-hmm. Oh, I would say, no, don't symbolize anything. I think it's because they're in nature. They're not in, they're not close to a city or, or a town. They're so much surrounded by woods that it's just nature. There's to show up. You know, we live on, I, I drive on a highway when I go to work and a deer which has run across. I live <laughs> by, I have an open big field and I see deer just walking around everywhere because we have a forest and stuff around here. Uh, even though we're in the city and we're close to a town, uh, deer just show up anywhere. So I don't think it symbolizes anything. You know, if I, I think the symbolization of the deer has to be that you see it in everything. So if you was in Gregory's story, you would see a deer right into water. Mm. You would in Barbara's story, you would see a deer as a killer head looking around somewhere. Like you would see deer, you would notice a deer stuff in little things here and there, and to be like, what is this particular thing about a deer that is in this narrative? And it I, not, I, it's not always there. I thought it was interesting the placement of the deer, that it's at the beginning and then it's at the end. So that's what caught my attention. Cause I, I love looking up the symbolism of different mm-hmm. animals, flowers, anything. I love poetry. I love literature mm-hmm. and all the deeper meanings and deer can represent gentleness, ability to move through life with obstacles, mm-hmm. with grace. I could be reading way too much <laughs> into this, but this game lends itself to have you think beyond the normal scope of your your mm. logic for sure mm. Mm. but then of yes. course i don't know how gentle a deer is since sam died <laughs> because that, yes, that's the thing that's the thing yeah so uh but everybody that is going to be our discussion uh any final words celeste uh what what would you have to say about this game final words please play it if you have not played mm. it please play this game. I played it for the first time November last year, November 2019. Mm. The title alone is captivating. What Remains Mm. of Edith Finch? My goodness. That is purely amazing marketing right Mm. there. 
And I, I could not stop thinking about this game. And this is one of those games I'm on the subreddit. I'm reading oh, yeah. theories. I will look up online essays. I will watch video essays. <laughs> We're going to have an almost three-hour-long discussion about it today. Oh, of I, course. Going to just me. this... This game makes my little symbolism and literature heart happy. And mm. I just, it's brilliant. And I think good art, and I consider video games art, mm. it keeps you wondering. It keeps yeah. you talking about it. It can make you uncomfortable. I, I appreciate that I had to play as a little baby in the bathtub. It made me uncomfortable, but that is a reality mm. a lot of people face. So if you want, this game is you can complete it depending on how fast you move two to three hours Yeah, easy afternoon morning evening mm -hmm. playthrough and then you can play through it again and pick up things you didn't see the first time around so i really appreciate that we did this for the book club mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh billy what do you have to say about this game final words uh, i can echo echo all those sentiments that celeste just gave us i think um, I don't think it's even an argument. I remember uh, about a decade ago, it was really PS2, kind of PS3 era. The the our video games art argument really ramped up, uh, and there are people on both ends. Uh, I think, like Celeste said, uh, this one truly is. If you ever want to win anybody over to your side of the argument, this would be the one to sit them down with. I, I can see there's going to be people that don't like this game. Um, if you want some taste, uh, if you want something with a, even a hint of action to it, uh, you might want to stay away. Um, but still, if you love a good story in a game, uh, if you love a mystery, if you want something that when you cut the game off, uh, you're still thinking about it, you're laying in bed that night thinking about it, um, you're you're just waiting to play it again. Uh, this is it. I, I finished this thing for the first time. Um, it was it was recommended to me um, by another fellow on my podcast um, that that knows I love I love good walking game. I love walking around exploring, and um and I played this. I bought it that day, and I sat down immediately. Like she said, it's not a long play. It's smooth. It's one of those. It's over before you know it. Um, Two hours if you want to run through. Uh, for this, I gave it a really just over no stone unturned playthrough. And it was still just about four hours. So it, it's you get as much into it as you want. Um, but you can sit down. It's a nice one. If, if you have like-minded people that love to see a good story. Um, mm -hmm. This is going to be more enjoyable than most movies you can you could dig up. Um, I, I just I love this style of game. And there's none better than this. Um, this is one of the best stories I've heard told throughout a video game. And it, it's done with the full range of emotions. Um, you know, you're going to laugh throughout this thing. The old cliche, you know, you're going to laugh, you're going to cry and whatnot. I, it rings true here. Uh, this thing is going to take you for a ride. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. Um, yeah, and if you've played through it already... Listening to this, you're probably you're probably lining up another playthrough right now. You probably <laughs> got that hanker. You probably got that hankering to get back in it. Uh, and if you played through, if you're listening to this and you haven't played through it, don't think that that means you know you're not still going to get something from it. Uh, these stories are very impactful, more than we can sit here and you know we could take forever to discuss these things. And I guess we have. 
Um, but it's much more impactful to sit there and play through it. So I, I, you know, turn this thing off. Turn it off. Get out there and play. <laughs> well, not yet. Not yet. They can't turn it. Wait about 10 minutes. Turn this thing off. There, no there, is no, there is no other medium, I think, that could convey this story. Oh, I, I don't, a movie, a story, yeah. a, a movie, a book. Mm-mm, not, mm. There's no way. Yeah. Well, this. Okay. So I'm going to say this. Yes, I do recommend everybody play this. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's going to be some illogical stuff that's going to make you mm-hmm. kind of mad. Um, I will say people who are just finding narrative. Um, I, I always use this example that people who think God of War has the best narrative and story and just feel like they found it. I'm like, no, narrative games have always been out. Mm. You just mm-hmm. haven't seeked out. What we mentioned in the fish is one that people should seek out because mm-hmm. not only does it tell these stories, it's a graphically different things for them mm-hmm. to address those stories. Yeah. So you might get something in 3D, but then you got Barbara's story that's in a comic mm-hmm. book fashion, you know? Yeah. And then it's just like you continue to go on and on. And you even when you get to Gregory's story, most of his is musical based. Yeah. Even though yeah. you see all of this stuff is going on. So they are telling these stories in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I, my last thing that I recommend people do, you know, there is a thing called FMV. And for people who don't know too much about FMV, that was full motion video back in the mm-hmm. 90s. So you have Night Trap and you have other Sega CD games like uh, Criss Cross Make My Video and Marky oh, Mark yeah. Bunch. You had all of this stuff um, doing different interactive things. And then like I think mid-2015 or whatever, we got games like Her Story that was also a narrative game, but you mm-hmm. enter close to find out how the story was sold. Um, and that's another form of narrative that, you know, People should go out and seek. Uh, with we with what we mentioned, either Finch is not hard and it's not it's it's going to get you emotionally. It's going to make you think. It's going to make you want to research and talk about it. But it's done so well in a great way, a great presentation that you might not like it at the first time you play through, but go in the second time, knowing everything yeah. and spend time to find out. Because a lot of people just want to feel like. Well, how does this game end without realizing what the game is meaning, what the game mm-hmm. is trying to deliver? It's about so, the journey, not the destination. Yes. That's right. That's right. And that's the thing. I, okay. And that's the thing. I think a lot of games today are made um, to be kind of a, a disposable product. You know, uh, you, you pick it up for 15 bucks, you play through it, you know, if you get a few hours of enjoyment out of it, that's great. You know, let me let me pick up the next, you know, kind of cookie cutter game. Um, so to have something like this, this is a real this is a real gem right here. Um, yeah. And it's and it's available every system I know. Of, and I've got I've dipped on this one so many times now. I've double I've triple dipped on it. Um, but uh, yeah, no matter what you're playing on. Uh, it's it's there for you. I, a special recommendation. Um, I had a great experience playing this kind of on the Switch in handheld mode. Get you a nice dark room, like right before bed. Just kind of sit up there, play through it. Uh, it it's a much more kind of intimate experience, just kind of mm-hmm. sitting there playing. Um, so th- that was excellent. Um, but no matter what system you have, PC, whatever, 
Um, it's there for you. If you're ready to, you know, play a game with some real, real narrative to it. And it's not, let's go save the princess. It's not, let's go, you know, we got to kill this bad guy here. Uh, it, and it's, it's not going to be one of those that hold your hand either. Uh, I think, you know, Ed was kind of saying, um, people wanted to see how it ends. You finish that thing and good luck. You know, if you're just playing through to get an ending, uh, you're missing out on so much of it because every journal, um, every little nook and cranny of that house is a, is a puzzle piece. And, yeah. you know, you, you can finish it with, with a lot of pieces missing um, and maybe walk away satisfied. But, um, and, yeah. And I think it's a good game if you have finished it years ago. Play yeah. it now again because yes. you might now have a different perspective of it. Mm-hmm. So. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, uh, Billy, where can we find you at? You got a few places. I get together with a couple other fellas, um, and we do a podcast uh, weekly. Uh, well, bi-weekly, we have a, a Patreon episode one week and a regular one, which you can find anywhere you can find podcasts the other week. Uh, it's Retrovaniacs. Um, we do games, basically console games from the beginning of consoles at home on through right now our cutoff is that ps2 uh, original xbox gamecube era uh it's very kind of free discussion a lot of user interactivity in there whether it's people writing in um discussing old games a lot of people want to discuss what we eat um and (laughs) and i'm there for it i'll i'll talk taco bell with y'all evening um and we have and we have Ew, um, let's have snacks to talk about. <laughs> oh yeah. And um, but um, uh, we do that. Uh, you can catch us on Twitch. I usually man that channel. It's been out for about a week and a half as I've started a new job, but I am firing it back up later in the week. Uh, it's also Retrovaniacs. Um, and our Twitter. Uh, apparently we didn't make it easy and make everything Retrovaniacs. The Twitter is Retrovania.net. And that also happens to be our website, Retrovania.net, where you can kind of check out everything. We have all of our links on there. So there it awesome. Yeah. And that's um that's how I, I met Hello. Billy is because mm-hmm. I found out about their podcast a year ago and I was curious if anybody had ever covered Earthbound. <laughs> and then I realized they had a ton of episodes for me I to catch up them. on. And it's just growing and growing. Yes. Y'all been doing it for what, five years? Oh, it's five years now. I don't like to think about the passage of time because it, <laughs> then I get the, the, the old existential sure. dread creeps yeah. up on me. Oh, uh, no, don't uh, think but, of uh, that. No, five years, five years strong. I think it's All definitely right. one of those that gets better. Um, I do not recommend listening to any episodes before maybe five or six. <laughs> um, but no, it, it's a lot of fun and it's especially been great now that we are, are so interactive with everybody. We... You know, with the Twitch channel and, you know, we kicked off a Discord and things like that. Um, so it's been great um, interacting with everyone. And I always love hearing everyone's old memories, you know, like their first games growing up. You shared some of, of gaming with your your father. Um, I've done, God, the same. My <laughs> countless memories of my father shouting. Not angrily, <laughs> but just shouting, shouting commands while we're trying to play through Contra on the NES with just three lives. Uh, uh, he got us through it, so hats off to him. But uh, yeah, I, it's 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 a blast, uh, and I am just I'm thrilled you guys have me on here. Um, 
I have not been able to talk about this game <laughs> at, the, <laughs> at the length I would like ever. Um, I played through this on the channel and talked about it um, and, and probably will again. Uh, I, I think people are doomed to watch me play this game uh, for quite some time. Because And every time, even as in-depth as I looked at it this time, next time I play through, I guarantee I'm going to spot things that I, I haven't yet. Isn't that a gem? That That's yes. a true treasure piece. Yes. And I, I would be perfectly fine, Ed, hint, hint, if we do more walking simulators <laughs> for book club in the future, because uh, there are some that I just like, if I keep holding it in, I'm going to explode with yep. my thoughts yeah. <laughs> theories well, there, on some of these. I mean, we have Gone Home. I, we have Firewatch. Um, mm. um, I think there's another one. That Sagebrush. You got to play Sagebrush. Sagebrush. Yeah, and there's, I've uh, everybody's, never heard of that. And everybody's gone to the rapture. Yeah. I um, heard of that one, but never oh. played it. That okay. is, we're about to start another episode right yeah, now. <laughs> that's a that's a top three one for me. That so is Eric, uh, so I should buy that one. Yeah, oh, that's a uh, that's a Steam and PS4 mm -hmm. title, I yeah. believe. Yeah, so it's it's out there to be had. And it's, highly recommended. It's wonderful. Only warning I'll give you is that of all the Walking Sims, this has got the. Well, Celeste, where can we find you at? Oh, gosh, I need to know what Billy said. <laughs> um, oh, Billy, you cut out. You, you did, said I has... cat, did I cut off? It's okay. Yeah. Um, you were saying out of all the walking sims. Oh. That... <laughs> no, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to oh. leave it on that suspense. It's, oh. the, slow, it's say, the slowest. It's the it's slowest, slowest one. Oh, the but, slowest one. Okay. But it also has the most beautiful scenery. Still one it of is the best the looking games I've ever one. played. Yes, yeah. it's the prettiest one I, I've I, so I will put it on my calendar to think of. Uh, so that's where can we find you? I am on Twitter and Instagram at FairyCrypt. Instagram's mostly uh, food, makeup, my cats. <laughs> Twitter is mostly video games. And I have completely deactivated Facebook as of January, so you cannot find me there. <laughs> That's a good move. That's a good move. <laughs> you guys can find me on Twitter at that pressure code. You can check out more of my podcast optional opinion on SoundCloud and other podcast apps. You can check out more of Boss Rush Podcast on uh BossRushGames.com and on our YouTube page, Boss Rush Games, and on our Twitch page at Boss Rush Games. Check out more podcast shows like Nintendo Pop Block, Arsenal X, Tarvis Casual, 1v1, and more book club. We me, Jesse, and Corey had did a discussion on Tomb Raider uh, so you guys can check that out we are gearing up to do Okami and soon to do Rhyme um, this month we are playing Rhyme so you guys can play that along with us this one that was a, spe a special one because like I said we have been talking about this and we may do more walking simulators uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes because uh, going home I know it's going to be one where it's going to be an interesting discussion if we decide to do that one uh we'll have to uh we'll have to work out the kinks because there's a lot of stuff playing and going on oh. uh trust me uh but everybody have a great week have a great weekend have a great day whenever you're seeing this please do pick up what we made some either fish like i said it's available on windows uh xbox one ps4 ps3 
and Nintendo Switch. So you guys, I think it might be on Xbox 360 too. Anyone still got that? Uh, but you guys can find the game there. Like I said, we all three recommend uh, picking it up and giving a playthrough and just enjoying the stories that are presented. With that, everybody, we will see you. Sorry about that. With that, everybody, we will see you next time on Watch Watch Podcast. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.